For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. I did see a story in the papers this morning out of Egypt where they're saying that they are going to fine amateur forecasters. And of course, I'm an amateur forecaster. You have to be a meteorologist and go to college and everything to do it properly. But in Egypt, they're absolutely fed up of the amateur. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what they'd find somebody for having a conversation with another person about the weather. But they say that the Egyptian Meteorological Authority is cracking down on anyone who takes a punt at predicting the weather <laughs> without a license, apparently. They're going to find them. So I better be careful because that might indeed catch on here as well. Um, Paper-wise this morning, uh, well, it's something that's never too far from everybody's um, conversation piece, and that is uh, housing. Uh, And of course, the amount of housing, both in Cork City and County, that is vacant. They're putting the figure, at least the CSO is putting the figure, at one in every 20 homes across the County of Cork vacant at the end of 2021. That's the last statistical evidence they have. It's based on levels of electricity consumption recorded by the ESB in properties. So I suppose if the property isn't using any electricity, then it is deemed to be vacant. 5% is the rate across the county, 2.7% across the city. And the place with the highest level of vacancies and empty properties apparently happens to be down in Bantry. So that's a front pager making the echo today. Um, this morning, the papers are also talking about people who self-harm in prisons. It's a very sad story. So much so that they are now going to uh, look and try and use furniture that would reduce the potential for self-harm. They call it anti-ligature furniture. And there's a CGI image of what the bunk beds would look like, for instance, and the stairs that are the little steps that carry you from the lower bunk to the upper bunk. It's very sad. Uh, This is recommendations that have been made following the death of a prisoner in custody over two years ago. The deceased was found unresponsive in his cell in a suicide attempt, and he died eight days later at Cork University Hospital. Um, in the case that I've just called out there, uh, the bunk bed was tubular framed, uh, and the prisoner was also allowed to retain his shoelaces. So cells need a serious makeover, and they need it fast. Uh, you know, uh, with regards to the rip-off culture in this country, and much of it happening now under the guise, I suppose, of energy costs and war in Ukraine, I think I've always believed since all this began, there's a bit of opportunism going on as well. And everybody's just piling on with the, with the uh, price increases. Um, I know, I know, I don't say that lightly. Forgive me for those people that are suffering with regards to, uh, you know, energy costs or indeed food costs if you're in the food business. But everything's gone up. I was talking the other day about VHI now. And of course, others will follow. Premiums up by another 5%. But isn't it astonishing if this can be proven Although the ESB has admitted to overcharging customers for over a decade, they, they are now vowing to make it right. And the front of the mirror says that they're going to give every household in Ireland 50 euro. I don't know how much people were overcharged over the 12 years, but I imagine it was substantially more than the little 50 euro sop that the ESB are going to give back. And from what I'm my reading of it this morning, trying to drill into it... Um, it seems to have been that they put an extra charge on domestic bills because um, commercial companies who were connected and bill payers were leaving Ireland. So they were making less money out of the commercial businesses. So they decided to put a little extra tariff onto residential. I mean, it's absolutely insane that you could get away with that. And of course, 
the NCT. Um, you know, a lot of the problems with the NCT actually is compounded by people who just don't turn up. There's about two and a half thousand people a week who just don't even bother showing up for their test. On top of that, every week, another thousand people cancel their appointments just before the test maybe the night before or the morning of. So straight away there, you got three and a half thousand tests that are just wasted because the NCT then can't find a replacement. But a lot of it has to do, of course, with staffing levels within the NCT, trying to get mechanics and, and things like that, and too many cars on the road. So they say there's 375,000 cars, well, I should say vehicles of all sorts, on the roads now without an NCT cert. And it's very unfair because when you get the test, it could be four or five months after the out-of-date NCT but you don't get 12 months from the test you get 12 months from the out-of-date NCT and I think that's very unfair I think whenever you get the test eventually because it's not your fault you should get your 12 months or your 2 years or whatever after that um, rather than the clock ticking all of the time there's going to be big changes with regards to child binding not necessarily in your own family home where children are being minded in your own home not necessarily with regards to nannies who you hire in your own home but for other people who mind your children in their home you will be able to receive a subsidy if your child goes to the childminder's home but here's the rub for the childminder they need to be registered they need to be regulated and therefore will have to pay tax so it's interesting in many ways families will get a subsidy but those that are minding the children in their home will have to pay tax and will have to register to do so. And, and that, that, will, that will happen because I suppose people who want their children minded probably will want the subsidy as well. Do you get me? So there's a big change there. Now, that's an issue with regards to, um, you know, regulating child minding services or what have you. I don't know if it will go so far as to guard a vetting or anything like that. Uh, but it's a big economy there that is untapped, the state is saying, and they want to get into it. Of course, another one then would be the housekeeping industry or cleaners who also operate in homes and what have you uh, for cash. I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at that next. But another thing I should have mentioned, actually, I was talking about the ESB and um, putting an extra charge on domestic customers is the issue regarding nursing homes. Uh, and that makes the papers again today because Leo Varadkar says that he he must have been aware of the government's um, curb to, uh, you know, not allow people with medical cards to get, uh, you know, the due, um, you know, rights that they had under Irish legislation with regards to their loved ones in nursing homes. He says he must have been aware of it. Um, But he says that the strategy was sound. Now, that's going to be very much challenged now because the Attorney General is looking into it and there'll be a report regarding this overcharging. Uh, But it makes the papers again this morning. Matt Cooper's got a very interesting column in the Daily Mail today because he talks about it from his own perspective with regards to his own parents, how ultimately he had to sell the family home uh, to cover an awful lot of the debt because of nursing care bills and what have you. And then we have a very disturbing story of an ex-politician who can't be named, incidentally, in court yesterday, pleaded guilty to the sexual assault of an eight-year-old girl. He's in his 50s now. He can't be identified, but was before Cork Circuit Criminal Court um, yesterday. And it relates to um, uh, dates between the 1st and the 7th of uh, November 2013. Sorry, pardon me, 2003. So just uh, under 20 years ago. Voluntarily entering uh, custody pending and sentencing, which will be later this year. So that's why it's a headline in the uh, Mirror this morning. It says, ex-politician admits sex abuse of an eight-year-old girl. And you know, I was talking recently, having gone for a visit, you heard in the news there, I won't stay much with it. The examiner on English has got a good drill into the story regarding the butter exchange. If you haven't been up there recently, and I have, it's in shocking condition. And it really has been left to go from bad to worse. It's going to be turned around now because Re- Recreate Shandon is a group that have come together who plan to restore and refurbish 
the former Butter Exchange building uh, and craft centre and they're going to turn it into a technology hub and an enterprise centre. So hopefully it will shine again and look like it did in its glory days. You know, the issues regarding the amount of hotel contracts that will aspire, expire in the next couple of months will mean that nearly 17,000 more migrants who were here that had a bedroom or indeed had a bed may not have it by the end of March. Because there are 200 hotels now who have contracts with the state and that expire. And it's believed that not all of them will renew the contract. They will want to go back to the tourist trade. So where then will migrants go? They, I was listening yesterday to the radio where they're talking about maybe something over 70,000 Ukrainian refugees are here. And by the end of 2023, that could double. It's certainly, they're predicting, going to rise to at least 120 to 125,000. So I don't know. Um, I don't know, it's like musical chairs I don't know how they're going to get around that Papers then that talk in detail about health and health issues and the, there's a story in the mail this morning I suppose we don't really need to be told this because everybody should know it now but very processed uh, food like mass produced foods like bread and cereal and ham um, crisps, ice cream while they all might taste very well uh, they all are deemed to be um, an increase in, car- in carcinogenic r- rates in the sense that your rate of risk to cancer can go up by, by 30% and the papers talk of that. Also, of course, the um, hairdressing and the barbers don't want VAT to bounce back to uh, 13.5%. It was dropped to 9%, but the deal now is that from the 1st of March it will go back again and they're calling, they're calling on... Um, uh, on uh, the government to leave it alone. I was watching it this morning uh, and some of the comments that I saw, I saw someone RSVP Live this morning where punters were saying, yeah, but when the VAT rate dropped to 9%, prices didn't drop. In actual fact, right across COVID, prices in hairdressers and barbers at another time went up and they were using the excuse of PPE and the costs of all sorts of the pandemic protocols to put their costs up. But, but I do recall another, another example of that is when newspapers had their VAT rate abolished, right? And I think, to, and I'm open to question, I think there is no VAT on newspapers now. But to the best of my knowledge, the price of the Examiner or the Echo or the Red Tops or the tabloids, I don't know if any of them came down. So nobody benefits um, when VAT rates are either reduced or, in the case of newspapers, abolished, except the newspapers themselves. There's an extraordinary story. Um, I'll be watching this one closely in the courts, um, and I may well come back to it a little later on. But it, it's the story of a solicitor, Caroline Fanning, um, and her daughter, who went on a cruise ship package holiday operated by Royal Caribbean Cruise Line some time ago. Um, and it's it's... Playing out at the moment in the High Court because she's suing for this. She was detained in the medical room of the cruise ship because, as she said herself, she made a sarcastic comment about suicide. Apparently, she suffers from seasickness, right, and booked a cruise with Trail Finders with her 13-year-old daughter, a package holiday. Um, And she is now suing for false imprisonment, assault and battery, defamation, breach of duty and contract. And the claim of assault and battery relates to a security guard who placed his hand on her. Now, if I had half an hour, I could drill into it in a lot more detail. But just the gist of it in general terms, because the case opened yesterday. Now, the defendants deny uh, the claims of... um, 
Caroline Fanning, but um, she had a history of seasickness and motion sickness. And she said that she uh, got onto Trail Finders back in 2015 and specifically requested a quiet cabin where there wouldn't be too much motion on board the ship. Now, the ship had 5,000 passengers. Um, and she said that she was let down and that it was a breach of contract. Uh, she said that um, uh, that during the night she was feeling really sick um, and felt the moving of the room. Um, and she felt that if she could get to another room with less motion, it might be okay. So she called reception during the night. But the woman who answered the phone, she said, Caroline Fanning said, the woman who answered the phone was hostile and unsympathetic. And the receptionist, according to Miss Fanning, claimed that the ship was full and she couldn't be moved that night. And she informed her that someone could only be moved if there was an emergency, a medical emergency. So Miss Fanning then said she believed the woman was being uh, sarcastic. So she replied to her sarcastically by saying there might be uh, a medical emergency tomorrow because there might be a suicide. But when she said the suicide word to the receptionist, apparently that kicked in a a triggered uh, a security protocol, a suicide protocol. And that's when security staff came to her room and took her to a medical centre on board the ship. And apparently they were going to have a psychiatric review from an an onshore psychologist. So she's suing for that. She's suing for um, being falsely detained, uh, defamation and issues like that. It's got a very interesting one because she continues to give evidence today. And of course, today is St. Bridget's Day. I'll come back to this a little later on. The, all the papers this morning carry all sorts of stories of, uh, of St. Bridget as to who she was um, um, and whether she was Celtic, which she was, uh, and whether or not she was hijacked by Christianity because she was so popular at the time, which she probably was. But for the day that's in it today, all of the newspapers are talking about uh, St. Bridget and we'll come back to it a little later on. You know, they're still, um, they're still fighting the old dog. Elton John probably will set the record for a tour. No one's going to come near this. It's his final farewell tour and it's figured that it could make him a billion Dollars Now, I imagine that's gross before costs, but it's still a billion dollars. He's already earned 817 million and it goes trudging on uh, or rocking on across the world. The farewell yellow brick road tour, at least 50 European dates to come alone in 2023. So he's probably going to shatter the billion dollar um, barrier with regards to a record being set for a tour. Ed Sheeran comes in second. He made 775 million for a tour between 2017 and 2019. You two come in third, then Guns N' Roses, then The Stones, then Coldplay, then Roger Waters made nearly half a million, ACDC, Madonna. But interestingly, twice in the top 10 for tours, making huge amounts of dosh, U2. Um, for the 360 tour and for the Vertigo tour, big amounts of dosh. There's lots of other in the paper, the stuff in the papers. So I was interested yesterday to see that... Uh, uh, Marie Kondo has packed in tidiness. She's got three children now, so she just doesn't have the time for it anymore. <laughs> so the tidying guru has embraced the messiness that the rest of us had to live with with children for many, many years. Maybe, maybe she's seen sense that it's just not worth it anymore. The Neil Prendeville Show on Courts Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. And if you're looking for your dream job and who as a child didn't contemplate being a train driver, Irish Rail need 80 train drivers with a lot of the new roles based in Cork and the salary reaches a maximum of 63 grand and they need 80 of them. 
They're hiring 80 train drivers. So you might want to think about that as a career choice. And I love a couple of stories on Lee's side, actually, involving hotels, Trigon Hotels. And they have the Metropole Hotel in Cork and the Cork International Hotel. And they're going to give five additional paid leave days now for members of staff who are going through fertility treatment. They're also going to organise flexible working hours amongst uh, for staff members who are going through fertility treatment. They're going to give working from home availability during the treatment dates. And it's a fabulous new initiative. It'd be great to see if more would follow it. But the one big ticket item here is five additional paid leave days for staff members going through fertility um, treatment. And also, I noticed also Metropole has appointed a director of romance. They're getting in early. Eamon Cassidy, the concierge, has now become the director of romance at the Metropole to get everything right and everything sorted and everything rocking and rolling uh, for Valentine's. Uh, so a couple of good, interesting stories from Cork Hotels this morning. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Straight to the phone lines we go. Fiona, good morning. Hello. Hi, hi, Neil. Thank you so much for taking the call. I didn't actually know whether I'd be able to track anybody down, so you're very kind. It was you It was you posted the story of uh, warning about about these characters calling to elderly family members, isn't it? Yes, yes, I Thank did. Thank you so much. I Can did. you tell us what happened? Because people need to be aware of these people. Um, uh, my parents uh, were at home yesterday afternoon um, uh, in, um, in Glenbrook Passage West and these two men called to the door um, and they asked, would they like the shoots cleaned? Yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, my dad asked my mum and she said, yes, so they said it would be 70 euro. And um, I, daddy, like the, the van wasn't parked directly outside the house, but he thought it was a Navy van and they had ladders on top. So the two men, they got the ladders off. One man said he was Daniel and that he was from Wales. Wales, yeah. Um, even though dad said that he had a neutral accent, so I'm not sure. But yeah. they took the ladders off and everything. And unfortunately, my dad said, look, I'll just go to the shop. I think he was getting milk. Yeah. And so just in passage, we're like half a mile from passage. And um, in that time, they had then said to my mother, actually, it would be 300, I think it was 350, uh, 350 euro. Why did they say then, that? Did they, did, did they give her some patter about when they checked the shoots, they were worse than they thought they'd be or what? I, I, you know what? I don't, they probably did that. And mom, I would think, poor mom, I'd say, mom said, she said to them, what? You know, that's very expensive. And then I would think she would probably confuse, like my parents are 87, mummy would be 88 and May. Oh, man. And she was confused. And, you know, she saved some money, like for the grandchildren or if we were going away stop, for a weekend. Stop, and stop, stop, stop. She went upstairs and she got the money and she handed it over to them. And with that, they disappeared. No work done, nothing. Ladders gone. And by the time daddy got back, they were gone. They must have been so upset. And you must be livid. As well as upset. Yeah, I was, I was very upset. But I'm, and you know, the reason I'm saying it now is that I do not want to frighten elderly people because my sister and I were discussing this this morning. Uh, you know, I just want them to be alert because I, we have quite a number of elderly people in the passage area. And a lot of people live on their own. And I just, you know, my mother, we were saying, okay, we need to get a spy hole. We need to do this. You need to look out the window. And my mum said, I I don't want to be locked into my house. I know. So we need to maintain independence. We need to maintain my mother's independence. But I don't want to scare 
people. No, I just but what message would you be giving to them? I mean, would it be better to say, if anybody calls offering to do jobs around the house, just say don't. no. Just, as my husband said to them, don't just say no. Yeah. yeah. Don't anybody that comes off the street that hasn't been recommended, just just say no. And also, just not for elderly people, because, again, when I'm at home, I actually lock my door if I'm there by myself, because if I was a woman and two men came and they kind of were intimidating me slightly, mm. I would probably be hand over the money. Yeah, to get rid of them, yeah. 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 Because we people, you know, unfortunately, we're living in that age that you can't trust people that anymore. And my parents were too trusting. And I think they're upset with themselves now. Was your mother very upset and your, and your dad upset when he came back? Well, very, they're very upset that they, I suppose they feel, but were not foolish, but like that they were naive and trusting, which is terrible. They're of a generation you know, that were the trusting generation. Yes, and I mean, my mother, like, I mean, anybody who knows her, like, she's feeble in body, but her spirit is so strong, and um, I, I just, I, you can imagine what I was saying I about know. these guys. I can well imagine, and they happy. must be very disappointed that somebody would do that to them in later life. But, you know, these characters, they're just roaming around doing that all of the time. They're chancers. They have all sorts of different storylines that they give. And it's not just guttering, they catch people as well. I mean, I, I do recall some time ago some character called to my own father's house because um, um, he saw a tree in the back garden that needed a bit of pruning. So the pruning and the cutting back of a big ash tree, he was looking for 1,700 euro. It was about a 200 euro job. You see the opportunity. And then if they go 17, they might negotiate down a bit and maybe get a, a grand's cash and do a crap job, you know? And I just wanted to say, Neil, um, uh, there was uh, somebody messaged me from Pembroke, you know, the estate in Passage West. And yesterday, the same thing, this white van pulled up in front of her house and the man walked down the side of the house looking. And then she, he saw her looking out and he went away. And she said it was a white van like that with ladders. And he drove off and he was followed by another van. And she said she's not sure whether it was black or navy, but she also contacted the guards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they should be easy enough for a passing squad car to spot if they've got ladders yeah. on the roof yeah. and they don't have any signage up, you know? Well, the guard, now in fairness, the local guard, he came straight away when they rang and took the details. But I just, as I say, I do not want to scare elderly I know, people. I, I just want them to be alert. I know, I know. And I know. unfortunately, that's the age we're living in now. And you know, for pensioners, it's hard earned, it's hard saved, isn't it, 350 euros? Well, my daddy was talking, my dad was talking about the money and I said, that's another issue. I said, Dad, where are the elderly to put their money? Because they can't access a bank now. We have a great post office in Passage West. But if you can't get to the post office or whatever, so people, more people, unfortunately, are inclined to keep their money at home because they can't access the facilities to put their money away. I know, I know, I know. So that leads to another whole issue yeah, itself. Yeah. Um, Without wanting to just, frighten people, it's about forewarning yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and just be careful. I hope they're caught. I really do. Fiona, thanks for okay. stopping me. I appreciate Thank you, you taking the call. Me. I know it was difficult to squeeze it in. Fiona O'Reilly uh, from Glenbrook and her elderly patients. You also have an added worry, and again, this is not to frighten the life out of people, but if you engage with them, you also run the risk that sometimes they could be casing the house. They could be casing the age or the vulnerability of people who are living in the house. So it's best, really and truly, to say no. Just no. A lot of the time, you don't even need that work to be done. A lot of the time when they do it, there's nothing up there. There might be a half or a quarter bag of a, a small little Dunstore's plastic bag of stuff up there. So it's just opportunism. And I know that there have been stings. In fact, I remember talking about this a couple of years ago. There's a major sting done by all sorts of services and agencies 
last year up around the county bonds where they were pulling vans because sometimes, unfortunately, they are coming in from other counties um, to... Uh, to loot and to plunder, if you like, and then they head out again. But unfortunately, it's the vulnerable, and sadly, a lot of the time, the elderly that get hit. And this was the case down around, possibly more than once, down around the Glenbrook, Monkstown passage area yesterday. Text 0868104106, back after the... Oh, yeah, I'm a resident and from Passage West. I'll do this job for the ladies' parents free of charge if it needs doing anyway. Uh, as I do it anyway, and I have all the proper gear. See, while you hear of the criminality of some people, you hear the kindness of others. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, just uh, in happier news, you might have heard Festus on the air on Monday because today is his birthday and on Monday he was, uh, he's alone and, uh, you know, he's got kids who are overseas, but on this day he will be alone for his 60th and he was looking for, uh, you know, a couple of uh, birthday greetings for today. He sent me a lovely voice note yesterday, um, actually, Festus. Have a listen to this. Hello, Neil. Hello, everyone in Red FM. Have Hello, everyone in Cork. Thank you very much. The cars are coming into me in drums. I'm already celebrating this morning. I just got five cars through the letter bus right now. And I've got my wonderful friend, one of my good carer from Homestead. His name is John. Each time he comes, he makes me happy because we discuss everything, current affairs, love, joy, peace. John, can you just sing happy birthday to me and give a shout out to me there? Yes, I can. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Festus. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Festus. Thank you, John. John, why are you so happy each time you come to me? Because I'm here to share happiness with you, Brother Festus. Thank you to Homestead, my carers. Thank you to CIL, those who give me personal assistant because I'm visually impaired but I'm a guy with a lot of abilities I tell people celebrate my abilities if you can celebrate my dignity I tell people you can use me but do not abuse me I love you all Ireland you are the best Neil Red FM you are the best I love you all the cars are coming celebration has started in my house God bless you all one love one love brother one love it's Festus's birthday today I'll chat with him later on on the big day I hope more birthday cards rolled in this morning for him oh listen we were talking about the opera house and how the internal design changed and it took the centre aisle out of the opera house Dave was on the air saying this is potentially a danger in the event of an emergency in the opera house there used to be a centre gap where you could walk up and down it they're all one long wide aisle the more I was thinking about that afterwards I was thinking you know he actually probably has a point Uh, did it need to be done and has it made things safer or unsafer Jim though is part of those that do maintenance in the opera house he says we do the maintenance so we're in there often listening to Dave on the radio talk about health and safety and the fire regulations and the failings of the opera house on those matters was an utter disgrace he shouldn't have been left to talk about something he doesn't know anything about the opera house is very well well, the opera house is very well run 
a very high standard and I'm shocked that this man was left talk about something like this and to leave a comment about the stardust to stick in people's heads just isn't good enough to see well you're entitled to that opinion Jim you are but Dave is also entitled as a patron and a paying customer of an establishment to have his point of view heard as well and I think that's the kind of society that we actually want so thanks for coming back all the same now uh, I was talking yesterday uh, about issues regarding uh, various different places not just incidentally what's happening in Mallow with regards to say modular homes or indeed a man but with regards to modular homes are happening over in Waterford with regards to a hotel being taken over for international protection orders but the other story I was talking about is the story involving um, you know uh, uh, houses that are to be built in a particular area adjacent to people who own their own homes now the council is about to build an extra uh, 40 no I'm sorry the builders are about to build an extra 40 houses down there which would be social housing public authority housing in the Killeen's area now there is uh, there is a protest there this morning with residents blockading the entrance to their estate. Uh, Ken O'Flynn, Councillor Ken O'Flynn is there. I want to talk to him about that first and then chat and see if we get an update on the state of play for Noreen O'Neill and her son Gary, uh, the lad with uh, spina bifida. So Ken, good morning. Good morning, Neil, and happy St. Bridges Day. And, and to you too. Now, we got in touch with the both the um, Cork City Council and the County Council and indeed uh, Lias Cara's Residents Association who are protesting. And they came back and said they were incorrect to say that they're protesting against Coast Council housing. They're not. Their issue is with the developer. But is one not the same as the other, though? Well, you know, I'm here down at the protest and I met with the residents yesterday. As you know, we only live around the corner ourselves up in Cologne. So I'm here supporting my neighbours. The issue is, as as it has been reported by some journalists, uh, is incorrect. The reality is here is that people of Lishkara, of the greater Killeen's area, are deeply upset with this particular developer, mainly from the lack of communication and the lack of engagement with the residents. I can recall going back to 2020 when I met with the developer and some of the residents in the area, assurances were given regarding the estate, regarding the taking over the estate, the lighting, the um, fixing of footpaths, the damage that had been uh, to ponds, etc., green areas, um, chunking and, wa- and water. It was, it was un- it, yeah, I understand, it was unfinished for a period of time. But see, it's, a city, it is, it. it's a city council zone, isn't it? That estate has had a long history because it was part of the county. The previous developer, um, their business collapsed in 2008, 2009 direction. Uh, the estate was left unfinished. Bonds weren't um, in place. They weren't drawn down. Uh, finishing off of the estate didn't happen. A new developer came in uh, and I think bought the site uh, via NAMA, etc. Um, that is a UK developer. Mm. Uh, and, and as I said... there was But it's city council now, isn't it? It's now zoned as city council yeah. because of the boundary extension. And zone. city council have told us that the development of the 44 new homes will provide much needed social housing, part of the national housing for all strategy, and address the significant demand for social housing in the city. So what's the problem? No, the, the problem is, and city council is correct in what they're saying, that there is a, a huge demand for social housing, but equally there's a tremendous demand for affordable housing in the area. And also, Neil, there's a, a demand for housing in general for people to be able to purchase in, in the area. Killeen's is an area of roughly about 700 people. Yeah, we're talking there's about between Blarney and Blackpool. Correct. There's very little infrastructure here at the moment. Um, 
there has been a, a statement sent into you. I think you have that now anyway by, by the residents. Well, just, just, just outlining that they don't have an issue with the social housing. They have an issue with the developer not engaging about the social housing and that they wouldn't be putting forward a spokesperson. Um, there is a target for social housing delivery, incidentally, and it's part of that. But so what, what, is it that they're happy with 44 homes, but not social homes? No, no, I have... I've spoken to nearly every resident that lives in, in the area um, last night. There was about, about 100 people there. Nobody has any problem whatsoever with social housing coming into the estate. Okay. What they have the problem with is the lack of engagement from the developer. I'm sorry, I'm getting another call there and somebody's ringing in. So is, is it a case that the, was this area for these 44 houses always designated plans-wise for social housing? No, plans-wise, it was, uh, we were told first day when the application went in, this was going to be for a private housing estate for, ah. the, for the finishing off of the existing housing estate that was there. Okay, so all, so anyone that bought was, homes there would have bought in the knowledge that this would be all private housing and everybody... Oh, well, back in, back in 10, 15 years ago, yes, when the estate was... When ah, well, that's was, why yes. they've got an issue then. This then no, no, the it's, goalposts it's have changed then. No, no, not, not just that. Um, goalposts have changed, yes, but Certainly, nobody has a problem with social housing coming into the area. What they, what residents would like to see, is a mixed housing development. That means social housing, affordable housing, and and some private housing if possible. There's nobody has a problem whatsoever with anybody coming in being awarded a house from Cork City Council or a through a development or one whatever. Whatever these, uh, you know, the idea is diversity, diversity and inclusion, and that was very much so came from the committee last night. They're very happy to have diversity and inclusion in the estate. Mixed, okay, but I understand. Development. The, the the problem is here is the lack of engagement. It's the cloak and dagger approach both the developer and Cork City Council have taken. It's the signing of an agreement on Christmas week. It's not telling people what's actually happening in their estate. It's not telling people how we're going to cope with X amount coming in, how the, the situation is going to be managed. And again, it's down to lack of communication. Okay, so is and this another example then? I don't know whether you can answer this or not because I've heard this in the past. I've heard it even from builders telling me this, that it's a council who have come in uh, quietly and uh, you know spoke to a developer and said uh, build them all and we'll buy them all off you well that's that's what's after happening that's what's after happening um, but and it doesn't allow then people who have a mortgage approval and want to get their own home because they're they're competing against councils Neil I'll be straight with you I have about seven or eight people that I could sell. Those. No, I'm not in the auctioneering business, but there's about seven or eight people I can put my hands on now that would purchase a house there at the moment. Uh, and that would be delighted to purchase a house, full stop, without doing any affordable housing. I have people coming to me saying, Ken, do you know where I can uh, get on an affordable housing list? Uh, and it's about the knowing. And it's about, it's about I think it's a lack of communication. Yeah, certainly. I can understand but, why they're peeved. Yeah, I can. No, yeah, no, yeah. But, uh, you know, everyone is accepting of social housing. Nobody out here has a problem whatsoever with social housing. But what they want is to have engagement with the developer. I say, you made a set of promises to us. You've reneged on A, B and C so far. We want to know, are you going to finish off the estate? And we want to know, are you going to finish off lighting? Are you going to finish off trucking? Okay, yeah. And what, what the residents are looking for out here is serious engagement from City Hall. And they're saying, look, up in Montanotti, you had a development that was earmarked for uh, all social housing. No, 50% of the social housing and 50% is uh, affordable housing. Why can't that be done out here? But Neil, I'm telling you, there are people living in Blarney, Killeen's, Blackpool area, out near me in the Mallow Road, 
up near me in Coulon that I'd be delighted to purchase houses mm. there that I'd be thrilled to be able to get to be able to get on the but councils are hovering them up and everybody loves and it when councils buy entire estates because they've one engineer they've one solicitor and the money's up front you know that's the uh, thing that's what's happening with, that's what's happening with the developer and tell me and this the, morning now the, what have they okay the promises made that have not been uh, honoured the residents have blocked the entrance to what to the estate now everybody can get in and out of the estate that's uh, living in the estate and they're they're not blocking any services coming into the estate but they are uh, blocking the access to the builders uh, on the estate at the moment and the reason why they're blocking the access to the builders is to bring the developer to the table just to say will you meet with us will you answer our emails will you discuss what's going on and will you discuss what's what's happening in the estate and this is a UK company isn't it yeah UK company company, Allium Crest BMOR what what is is the state of play then are are, are construction workers trying to go in and just turning back and leaving again construction workers turned up today about uh, about 7 o'clock or 10 to 7 and and most of the construction workers said, look, we understand where you're coming from. Um, best of luck and um, a good a goodbye and good night. Okay. And they went on, they went on to other sites that they're working on. Uh, and there's no the law being broken there that would involve Garda Shikana or anything like that, no? Absolutely not. This is a peaceful protest. This is a protest that's saying, look, please come and engage with us. Please come and talk with us. We have some very good ideas for the area. Actually, the, the Lease Carrot Committee here is very proactive and very engaging with the loca- with the locality. Uh, and you know has has been very honourable with this builder has been very upfront with this builder uh, going back to meetings in 2020 out in the Commons Hotel which I attended uh, and there was commitments made at that stage and you know if anyone is going to be peeved off it's the residents because commitments were made they were not fulfilled um, communication has totally broken down not on behalf of the residents association but certainly on behalf of the developer what is it I mean uh, you know if people would say how would you feel if it was in your own backyard I, I get all of that but, but it, what it is, is the underlying is issue here is that if you have backyard? I know it is in your own backyard but I'm talking about people listening to this program might be saying okay well you know why would we feel if it was an issue in where we live and the homes that we own what is our issue with it is this that if you have too many houses that are all social housing that is that lead to antisocial behaviour? Is that what the message is? Look, this is about, and you said it out at the outline, housing for all. And this is about housing for all. And it's about integrating people, making everybody feel the same, making everybody feel equal. That's the entire idea of housing for all. And what the Residents Association is trying to do here is ensure that we are living up to housing for all. That means affordable, social and private dwellings, living amongst one another, enjoying one another's company and living together and getting on well. That's what it's about. And Neil, you may, you have to know on, on, on big estates, we have learned from the past, or we should be learning from the past, we're big social housing estates and social housing after social housing after social housing does lead to problems and economic problems uh, uh, and leads to problems in general. Mm. We've, we've had it in the past. We should be learning from that. It's about integrating people together, be, being whatever religion, whatever nationality, whatever okay. colour, creed, whatever okay. you are. It's about getting people living together and people integrating together and moving as, a, as one community. Okay, and they I must think, be doing some sort of a shift road there or something there, are they? Pardon? Are they doing some kind of a shift road? Are they going to be there every day until yep. they get they're a result? Be, they're going to be there okay. every day until the developer comes to the table and speaks okay. speak to them. Okay. Just finally, just because uh, I know that you have been working and I think uh, Ken Collins is working as well, isn't he, on this? Uh, but you've been working on uh, Noreen O'Neill's case with her son Gary. You actually travelled to the house, did you, yesterday? I met Noreen yesterday. Um, gosh, she's a lovely woman. She's a lovely woman, you know. And, and uh, you know, she came off very, very sweet and very kind. 
uh, to on the on the radio yeah. show the other day. But, but genuinely, you have no idea what a what a lovely, lovely, sincere. Yeah, woman but they've been living with in freezing cold. Everything's been turned off because what, they what, have what, a monoxide carbon monoxide leak. Let me let me update you on that. Um, I met with her yesterday. We've had Cork City Council has sent a private. Um, inspector out to the property um, the reds are now back walking in the property um, so there is heat in the property so both Noreen the, the, her children and the grandchild uh, have heating now in the property uh, there is still a problem with the fireplace which we hope to have addressed in the next um, day or so because that's urgent because there is a level of carbon monoxide yeah. there so, so who's going to uh, work on that? Uh, Cork City Council have already appoint, appointed somebody. So why is it? Why does it take calling a radio station for Cork City Council to kick in when they ignore the client, their tenant, for months on end? Well, look, I don't have the history of call logs or anything like that. I, I, I don't want to talk about an individual case in that sense. But Neil, you're quite right. There's something seriously wrong when people are calling Cork City Council every day of the week and have to ring you or have to ring me yeah. or have to uh, or have to these are basic things that and by the way the, the rents are up to date and everything well there was never an issue like that she's a lovely never. woman and she's got her own health issues as well and, and sadly her clock is ticking well, okay so we, we, we'd expect that by the end of the week everything would be resolved I, I, ho- I hope everything the heating wise and the Cork City Council side of things should be fixed uh, HSE have engaged with me okay so our, our son then 38 year old Gary has very yep. very advanced by bifida his wheelchair is knackered and no one will talk to him and he's trapped in the house since the I, second week in December correct I've had HSE on to me this morning I've spoken to them I spoke to one of the senior managers on HSE last night about 7 o'clock last night um, and I'm, I'm hoping to have further information on that but look it's, it's going the right direction from what I understand so I, I hope to have that sorted as well is there a time frame that the HSE have given not, to? Not, not at the moment. I, look, you know as well as I do from dealing with the HSE over the years that they're very slow to come back and commit to anything. But look, they're under pressure now, mainly down to yourself and well done. Well, to that's, not, that's not the point. I'm just no. worried as to whether or not he, he has to... What are they saying? That they'll measure him up for a wheelchair or what? Yeah, you don't know. Hopefully, well, you know, there's, there's, as you know, the gentleman that was fixing the wheelchair is out and there was various problems there and there was a breakdown of communication. Oh, hopefully we'll have him either, either his old chair fixed and working in perfect order or else we'll have him re- uh, he'll be remit and sorted out for a chair OK well time. you're on it anyway thanks Ken appreciate that thanks no for problem. the updates Councillor Ken O'Flynn text 0868 Talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 Cork's Red FM Selection of emails this side of 10 o'clock uh, you were talking recently about the amount of people who are leaving for the likes of Australia I'm delighted these people are enjoying their lives away in Australia um, I suppose this actually is following up on the amount of people involved in medicine it could be doctors and nurses uh, anyway Texture says who am I to criticise anyone but here's where it stops for me uh, I was in hospital a few years ago and it was coming up to Christmas I was a smoker so I'd be in and out of the ward at all hours of the night. I overheard the nurses talking about their upcoming Christmas party. So I got talking to them. Uh, there were, if I remember correctly, 24 young nurses doing their final exams. Out of the 24, 20 of the nurses already had jobs sorted in Australia. But when I thought about this, after saying it to a few people, the conversation went along the lines of, that's great for these nurses, but they're leaving on the taxpayers' backs, meaning the nurses are practically getting free education here in Ireland. In America, an equivalent education would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why don't we in Ireland say to our nurses, OK, you can have the free education here, but you're contracted to stay and work in the HSE for a minimum of five to seven years. Then every year, 
you work brings down the money so your debt lessens. About 80% of the nurses from what I saw in that hospital uh, are not Irish and are not from the EU. So here we are exporting the best educated in the world and replacing them with nurses from India and many other Asian countries. It's a disgrace that the Irish government is forcing our best to leave because of the working environment and lack of housing, as an example. And these are just two of the many things that are wrong here in Ireland. Um, you know, the issues involving John in the abattoir reminded a caller of, you know, a societal breakdown. In fact, this uh, texter listened to the programme twice yesterday. It didn't get any easier the second time round. I'm a little confused about uh, the men on your show who had known um, that he lived there and hadn't seen him in a while. Why? Why not when they knew he was living in terrible conditions? Look what happened in Mallow a few weeks back. Where I live, no one cares. Back at Christmas time in 2022, I had a neighbour on my radar. Her partner uh, died of a heart attack on the motorway on his way to see her. On Christmas Eve, I went to see if she was about because the mail was building up on her doorstep. I knocked at the windows and a little arm waved at me. She was on the floor. The lady had a drink problem. I called 999. The fire brigade came. I went in first because she knew me. She hadn't eaten for six days. I looked after the lady right throughout the holiday period. I called social services because they were on holidays until January 4th. Uh, They weren't bothered one bit. Uh, She got strong again in time. She had three meals every day from me. I wanted to do it because I cared. I returned to Ireland for the summer and... uh, In my absence, she was found in her home. She may have been dead for a month. I got upset when I heard it. The reason she died, Neil, was because nobody cared. And just to, you know, take any confusion out of this, this is a Cork person who's living in the UK and it was a neighbour in the UK. But when she came back to Cork in the summer on holidays, um, while she was away, of course, there was nobody to care for the woman back in the UK that she was minding and she passed away. Very sad. It's all about keeping an eye out, isn't it? Text 0868104106. We're back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, uh, not being fixated about what they think about us in the UK reminds me of a story from earlier on in the week about the amount of people that can sing the national anthem. I hope to come back to that one. And also, big response uh, to a story from the start of the week we were talking about, and that was the cost of a full Irish breakfast. And you guys are giving me loads and loads of examples uh, by text, and I'll dig those out as well. Uh, for the price of uh, full Irish breakfast right across the city and indeed the county. One actually that was very interesting, only because the texter has put McCurtain Street in Montanati, and that's Maru D'Annunzio, who sent a photograph of a cracking 9.50 breakfast with toast and very good coffee, fresh and delicious at Cafe Espresso, McCurtain Street, Montanati, Cork. <laughs> the breakfast is a humdinger. It's got the tomatoes and the mushrooms and the black and white pudding and the rashers and the sausages and a big... A little a small bowl of a substantial bowl of beans and two beautifully fried eggs. But what interested me is the espresso, uh, 26 McCurtain Street, Montanotti. That's a good one. McCurtain Street gets moved to Montanotti. Then on um, the NCT, do you really believe that people are not showing up for their NCT? I wouldn't believe that report for a minute. If you were a no show, you'd be charged full price. So I don't think there are many people who could afford that. They're just making an excuse to blame everyone, but it's the system of the NCT that's at fault. 
you could well be right, but I thought you actually didn't pay for the NCT until you arrived at the NCT and then paid when you got there. Um, and then with regards to housing, ask any politician or councillor, how is it fair to house refugees in modular homes ahead of the Irish, be it homeless or middle-aged people living at home with their parents? How is that morally correct? I'd love a modular home. I can't afford to leave my family and my parents' home. Lots on scams. The general advice should be don't answer to the door to strangers. Texter says, I don't answer to the door to strangers. It's the best advice I can give anybody. No matter what age you are, whether you're male or female, do not engage with strangers. It's sad, but it is very good advice. Another scam that seems to be going around at the moment as well is getting a text from eFlow saying that your payment has failed to go through and to follow the email contact address. That's another scam. There are plenty of those. Um, In order to protect people, CCTV is the only way to go to protect your loved ones and your home. I have it for years. No one will bother you when they see cameras on your home. Uh, Then we had some lovely offers of people who wanted to help Fiona's parents who were scammed of €350 by these criminals with their vans and ladders. Pass on my number to that lady and I will get her parents' gutters and soffits deep cleaned for free. Can't come on air, but we are a large professional cleaning company. Thank you for that. Then on the social housing conversation in Killeen's 44 uh, social houses proposed and the residents are being very much kept in the dark and that's not what they were promised. Fair play to the Killeen's residents for not wanting their area to turn into a cesspit says Dara and Blarney. Um, These are not my sentiments. They're the sentiments of callers. Um, It's a kind of a a broad sweeping statement to make against people who would be in social housing. But another one. Ha ha. You're tiptoeing again. Tiptoeing around asking what people's issues is regarding social housing. You know as well as everyone else that the estate in Killeen's will become um, I can't actually say what they describe but but certainly um, the texter is suggesting to say the least antisocial about five minutes after the houses are completed. And one final texter says, we all know what the issue is regarding social housing next to private housing. It's all about snobbery. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Just very quickly, if you don't mind, because I read out the email earlier on. Didn't actually know that it was from a regular contributor to the program. Con, Con, good morning. Neil, how are you doing? Are you I'm still overseas? Here. Are you home? I know you've been travelling a lot. I'm still, I'm, I'm here in the Garden of England. I'm here in Folkestone in Kent. Okay. Just, so it was your neighbour in Kent um, whose partner died in a car accident and she was, was she elderly living at home? Well, she was 68, but he actually died. He, was, he wouldn't have been that old. He died of a heart attack on the M25 coming home to her. And of course, I missed him. I missed his van and I went to see her. And I sort of, I sort of monitor. I just kept an eye on her. She drank a few. She, she was a big drinker. But before Christmas, the house was quiet. The TV was never off, but there was no sign of her. The mail was building up. So I, at Christmas Eve, I knocked at the window. It was dark, eight o'clock, and a little hand came up, and she was obviously she was alive. And then I had to call the nine nine nine. The police didn't come. Uh, fire brigade arrived. But what I was saying is I, I, I looked after her right through the Christmas and the New Year. I fed her and kept her company and, you know, whatever. But there was no one came, the, the health services. I, I got the emergency number on, on Christmas Day and um, they said that we're on holiday until the 4th of January. My God. Uh, My you God. Know, anyway, How long so, do you think she'd been lying on the ground? 
I don't know, but I counted uh, 11 litre empty bottles on the, around her. So she was, she told me she hadn't eaten for six days. So I... Um, litre bottles of empty eight. litre bottles of what, Con? Oh, heavy duty stuff. Spirit, vodka and whiskey and you name it. Misfortune. And she was a binge drinker, you know, and she was a binge drinker. She could hit it for a week and then she'd, she'd run, she'd be running three of us for six or seven weeks. But then I, I, I just fed her, I just, I just looked after her right through on the Christmas and the, the house was locked. I couldn't find the key for days. So I was, I was looking out the window most of the time just to see if she was okay. But anyhow, so look. Uh, I, How did you I get into her then? How did you feed her? Uh, the fire brigade got in. All right. Because it was locked at the beginning. The fire brigade got in and in through the window. Then I said to them, look, hang back. I said, she doesn't know you. She knows me. So we sat her up on the old sofa. And she said, she said, Connor, I haven't eaten for six days. So I came, I came. I'm only living across the road. So I got her her sandwich and her bog of Barry's tea. And I got her, I got her going again. And she was fine for about three, uh, three months. And then, of course, I, can, I, I normally come back to Ireland for the summer. Yeah. And I left her be, and she was fine. The shopping was being delivered, and I got everything done for her. I'd been shopping for her while I was there, put the bins out for her, the usual stuff. Anyway, so when I was away, I got a message from here saying that uh, Doherty was found dead. Uh, I, I spoke to the neighbours, and I asked them, why didn't, they, why didn't they just keep an eye on her? And they said, oh, we don't get involved. That was the answer. What you were saying yesterday is very similar, um, Neil, but uh, to Case and Mallow. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we don't get involved, and, and then they said, oh, she's on the drink and all that. I said, look, I, I said, I was a drinker in my time. I said, I know a lot about that. But it, it, nobody cared, you know. Yeah. How'd she but die? It, Do you know what happened? She just died. Uh, well, there was her next of kin. Her next of kin was nowhere to be found. But when I came back from Ireland in October, the police come to me because I was the only one that knew about her. Nobody knew if she had next of kin. She was lying in some morgue somewhere, but then her next of kin showed up out of the blue only very recently. Isn't that he, shocking? And tell me, when you know, when you were minding her, did you ever chat with her as to why she was drinking so heavily or what was on well, her I mind? Well, I did, of course, because I was on the same. I was in the same conversation as her. And uh, she said, I started when I was very young, but ever so intelligent, a really intelligent woman. She worked in a bank. She was a smart, smart lady, ever so nice, but she really liked my company. She's been to Ireland so many times because her partner's mum was from Tipperary. Yeah. So we had that connection. And in the end, of course, then she became very dependent on me, you know, which stressed me big time yeah. because... You know, if anything happens, I'm, I, I, I would feel responsible. And maybe know? that is the issue for other neighbours, that if they do commit or do get involved or do start to care, that it will become very burdensome for them. Well, you know, listen, you're dead right, Neil, and that's why I'm calling you this morning to say, look, look, you, can, you don't have to love them. You can just keep an eye on them. And, and if they're in trouble, look, even last week, I have another neighbour. He's confined to a bed, a young man. He's in, like that. That lady that had her, her son in a chair a couple of days ago. Yeah. My neighbour Paul, he ten o'clock he rang me on Saturday night because when he arrived, I gave him my number. I said, Paul, if you're in trouble, call me. So he at ten o'clock. I was just about to go to bed, and he called me, and he said, Can can you come in to me? He said, I, I, I he, he's 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 bedridden. He said, Can you move me in the bed? God, and I, I and I went in and I just 
you know something uh, I went in because uh, I had his secret pass key to get in and he was I had to take that and he's down his nappy and he's plugged into a bag and I and I shifted him over and I, I he quite likes my company as well because I am I am quite a funny old guy at the yeah I know you're lovely but did, is he all in, is he all alone in the world yeah but he's not see, he's got a daughter I said where's your daughter well, he said she's working but he called his other neighbour next door first and he, he didn't come to it I know I know. See, the thing is, anyway, I kept him entertained for 20 minutes, wrapped him up in the old bedding and moved him over. And I said, I'll see you again. I said, don't be going away anywhere. I said to him, you know, like Yeah, that. I know. Doesn't it show actually that misfortunate woman? She said, a lovely person. Nothing nothing in, 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 in that regard. I'm not saying anything negative about that. She had a good job and she had great prospects, but alcohol took it all away from her. It just absolutely robbed her alcohol, of everything. Alcohol, yeah, the whole thing that she was, um, she was big into, but she was really nice and I really felt, oh, look, I would do it all again. You know, it doesn't matter who it is or what it is. I'm not big into their problems as long as I'm there to help them because it could be me, you know. Yeah, help not to judge. Fair play. Nice one, Con. Yeah. Mind yourself. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, just staying just stay with Noreen O'Neill's story and her son Gary. Don't hold your breath with regards to Gary's poor wheelchair. Um, poor Gary's wheelchair, I should say. My son is also in a wheelchair uh, and uses a walker also. He was measured and approved for a new walker six months ago. He has his uh, present one for about six years. He's still waiting. And it'll be another six months at least, despite uh, nuts and bolts missing off the current one. It's falling apart. It's just a disgrace how people with disability are treated in this country. My son is lucky, as I will fight and fight to ensure he has what he needs. But God love the people with no voice. It would break your heart if people saw what really goes on with the vulnerable and those that need it most. So that misfortune, uh, six months ago, was promised a new walker. And it'll be not just the six months gone, but another six months before he gets it. Uh, nurse in the USA has a starting salary of $75,000, you know. There's no comparison to the Irish nursing pay system. Uh, and an interesting one here, just following back on a comment earlier on uh, about uh, free nursing education. My daughter uh, is nursing in UCC. It's costing me €3,700 a year for my daughter nursing in UCC per year. Where can she get it for free, as your emailer suggests? Can you ask that man? She works part-time in a hospital, so she knows exactly how nurses are treated. And absolutely, she will be emigrating next year when she qualifies. I think the emailer was saying that if you compare to other countries in their college education system... It would be more likely to be 35, 40, 50, 60, maybe $70,000 a year for a college education. So I think the point he was making is that our college education system here is very heavily subsidized. Yes, the cost to the college uh, student or their families is somewhere between three, three and a half, three thousand seven hundred euro. The state picks up the balance, but um, even at that, uh, college education in Ireland, no matter what way you look at this, is much cheaper and many other countries around the world. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Hold on there, Jared. back in a sec. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. An awful lot of text actually on the uh, living conditions of John, who's living in a closed down slaughterhouse. So more on those in a few minutes' time. But Jared, good morning. You wanted to pick up on that conversation yesterday, was it? I did, Neil. I rang in there yesterday. And uh, I, my blood was boiling. But I'll just start there now on something that hadn't left my mind for over 30 years about the most vulnerable, if you don't mind. Go ahead. About 
30 years old. I say it wasn't even called the HSC at the time in Abbey Court House. Southern Health. In George's Court. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Multi-channel was there at the time as well. Yeah. And we were working, we call it the HSC now, that they probably had a different name for it that time. Southern Health Board. Southern Health Board. Yeah. And the best time to paint around the reception would be between one and two. Now, the Southern Health oh, Board... Oh, you were working Southern, in the building, is that? I was working, I was Sorry. doing a job in the building. Okay, go ahead. And the best time to do what I was doing around the reception area was between one and two. Now, the Southern Health Board didn't close at the time, but the likes of multi-channel and things like that did close between one and two. So people thought it was closed, and that was the quietest time because they wouldn't be coming in. Right. You know what I mean? I to get my point, yeah. right? So I wanted to listen, and I took no notice. But this woman came in, but you know by her clothes that she wasn't good off, that she wasn't... She had nothing you could say, okay? Yeah. And she inquired about this thing, what she thought she was entitled to, which I wasn't listening to because if you listened to everything while I was walking in, you'd go off You again. get nothing done, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, when the woman went away, the girl in the reception turned around to me and she said, isn't that terrible, she said. I said, what? She said, that woman came in thinking she was entitled to such a thing. Now, she's entitled to two or three other things, she said. But I'm not a low teller. If I do, she says, I lose my job. Ah, uh, stop. That couldn't have happened. She Please? couldn't give her advice about her entitlements, surely. She couldn't give her advice about her entitlements. That, that's why, listen, this stayed with me over 30 years. So did I you, did she actually, somebody working within the HSC, Somebody working within the HSC in the reception couldn't tell her what she was entitled to because she didn't come in, nor what she was entitled to. She came in thinking she was entitled to something else that she wanted. So she's saying she could only answer the questions, working for the Southern Health Board, only answer, answer the questions the that were question. being asked. She couldn't offer advice or say, oh, by the way... Because of your no, circumstances, your age, you can get help with X, Y, and Z. She couldn't. And that stood, that stuck to me. That woman went out that door, and that woman was destitute. Now, I was working at the time, and I was young, and it didn't take much effect on me, but I thought of it all my life. It not only Up affected you, but it affected the staff member who said it to you from the Southern Health Board. probably did a course, yes, she couldn't tell her. She couldn't tell her what she was entitled to. Then it was a direction woman. from above. Oh, well, you can be damn sure. Who else would tell her? If she was her telling her, if she was her telling her that she'd lose her job. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No, Unbelievable. I am sitting here in my front room and I am not telling you a word of the life. Did you say anything to her when she said that to you? What could you say to the girl, right? She said she'd lose her job. Like, I, I was young at the time, Neil. <laughs> you know? I, I had a job. Like... I not, I, you I must have it. always wondered about that poor woman that went in there and missed out on things head. that could have made her life better. Yeah, it always took in my head. Always. What do you make of John's situation? I think it's a total disgrace. And I tell you something, this is what I rang about yesterday. That man's fives didn't go straight on. In City that Hall? That man, in their eyes, that man was a nobody. And brush him aside. That's the way I see it. And I walked in a lot of places. Push him aside. You don't see him forgetting to send out your property tax. Or you don't forget to see him charging your fiver for the government charge from the banks along with the bank charges every year. And they don't forget, par- they don't forget, forget parking fines either or anything like that. Yeah. They don't forget your road tax either, do they? No, no. Those systems work very well. Yeah. They do. Yeah. But they don't work for anyone else. I just the post, the I post and files in. never get lost when it's you owing them something. Oh, you can be sure of it. And I just got to leave on this note now. Yeah. I wouldn't be very well educated, 
But the teacher I did have at school, and I'm going back nearly 60 years now, was a man who was mad for your, I hear you call it time sums, to call maths now, because the scary was, if you can't make it up in your head, you'll be caught on the racetrack. Take care. Thanks for that, Jared. Text 0868104106. The government spends the time worrying and debating about the lack of accommodation for refugees. This is Ireland. It was actually been discussed on RTE yesterday, and there wasn't a mention of our own homeless people when they were crunching the numbers or Irish people living in bad conditions, like, say, for instance, John yesterday. The government, you know, is legally obliged to look after their own citizens first and foremost. They're concerned, sadly, with housing other up to and including fake refugees. They're building state-of-the-art modular homes all over the country uh, for Ukrainians. What about giving poor John one of these? Others are talking about John and the awful conditions in a slaughterhouse. Why isn't there a hotel room found for him straight away this morning like there would be for others? Uh, in inverted commas. Uh, well done to your team for highlighting the disastrous conditions that some people are living in. Um, I can't actually say much more about, you know, anything to do with the building because it's privately owned and that is none of our concern in that regard but somebody else says I can't believe what I'm hearing 2023 in Ireland shame on city council not fit for purpose I'm embarrassed that we have a council like them we're all great to talk in this country but we're shocking bad for action says Mike and a fast um, one on this then with regards to um, somebody who's having issues themselves uh, my mam is 80 years of age her boiler's been on the blink for four weeks an 80-year-old uh, with a faulty boiler in the worst month of the year. We ring City Hall before you ask every single day. They tell us that they have logged it with a contractor. But no one's coming. She's crippled with arthritis. When the boiler goes off, it won't come back on. Eventually, when it does come on, you have to leave it on for days on end. So the house gets really hot but you can't turn it off because it won't come on again. She's worried sick about the bill. I also rang the contractor myself that deals with the council and he said they got no notice from City Hall and they can't come into the house without notice from City Hall for insurance reasons. But if they, but if they got it, they would do it. Uh, my mum is worried sick about her bill. The heating has been on now four days and nights straight. She's afraid to turn it off in case it won't come back on again. When I rang the contractor, he said it could be a leak, but he can't do anything until City Hall contact him. Please help. Trying to raise awareness. I hope you can help with this. Another shocking scenario of left hand not knowing what right hand is doing. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. A couple of unkind texts yesterday about people in Mahan. I won't repeat them, but a couple of people find that a bit strange. Um, 80% of people in Mahan are on the dole, your texter said. Holy God, are they serious with that number? Lots down here own their own houses. My God, our society is turning on one another. Uh, division, division, division. And another one here for that person who said we don't work in Mahan. I earned 72,000 euro last year and I live in Mahan. Most people in Mahan work. I don't know where they got that information from. We choose to live here, not the other way around. Friends and family who run very successful businesses choose to live there because of the people. The community we have down here is second to none. We have issues like everywhere else, but we produce the finest footballers in Cork. Alan Brown, Cuevin Kelleher, Adam O'Reilly and a lot more on the way because of ours and their work ethic. That person will want a fact check before they make ridiculous comments like that. Uh, I have four children with special needs. I've been sitting on every waiting list there is for help. 
when I rang the council and said we need help uh, and had that backed up by social workers and therapists that we need help, the girl basically laughed and said, you're only four years on the list. Come back to us when you're waiting 10 years. There are empty houses all over our area. And then, of course, when we see the current climate in Ireland with regards to housing and housing crisis and the alarming rate at which certain issues in Ireland are being dealt with, is it any wonder that there's division and that people are angry? Text 0868104106. Uh, Claire, good morning. You, des- morning. you describe the country as getting more and more appalling. Why do you say that? It's appalling, Neil. The way that the people have been treated in Ireland at the minute, the whole personal interaction with the public is gone. It's press one for this, press two for that. Uh, do it online. Like, my parents are in their 70s. My mother has dementia. My father had a stroke. When he's trying to deal with the city hall, we say, for example, he's ringing up, oh, press this, press that. He has went into the city hall to complain about repairs or whatever to his own house. And he was directed, there you go, that's the phone there. I mean, that's no way to treat. Moreover, our... He went in and they said, what did they say when he went in? They directed him to a phone and the wall that he could ring. But he's in there? He's in there. And they wanted him to ring them from in there? He wanted, there was a, po- a phone on the wall that you press one for this service and two for that service. Yeah. No interaction, just pointed to a phone. Yeah. I suppose when there's more and more wrong, you probably have more and more people going into council and that makes it even worse because then they decide we can't be dealing with the volume of people coming in so they stop dealing with them in person. Yeah, but you know, like, these are people, like, they're human beings. They deserve to be treated with the same respect. If they weren't paying their rent or they weren't following the rules of the city hall or other services, they would be fine and fast to be on to them. It's very hard for, moreover, I'm speaking on behalf of my parents that are elderly and that are struggling. You know, now we're very fortunate in that we have a home health service that provides an excellent service and look after my mother very, very well. And is it the case that people can't do work, even if it's small jobs on their homes because they're council owned? They're council owned. And besides that, they can't afford to do it. True enough. You know, yeah. like my, my parents certainly couldn't afford to be paying out for repairs. In fact, Neil, there was an issue with a downpipe for a long time and it was the fashion traffic that was hanging down. My parents' neighbours paid for that to be repaired for fear that it would cause damage to either them yeah. or the neighbour themselves. Yeah, yeah. Although I did see, I did have a contractor or somebody who works in maintenance text me there and he says, we do an awful lot of work in public authority houses. And to be honest with you, some of the houses are, cov- are, are covered with mould because of lack of ventilation. As I'm painting, I get into some houses that are in a horrendous condition and there are families living there in these poor conditions. They're saying tenants can do more to keep their homes cleaner. That's what he said. That's interesting, yeah, isn't well, it? I mean, that's, yeah, not, well, that, that's not covering your case. I'm just putting it out there. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I just feel that, you know, the, the, the humanity, the, the human, you know, interaction is just totally gone. It's been gone it's a long time. Totally it's all automated gone. now. Yeah. It's either online. Yeah. If you're not online now, you're goosed. Yeah. Like, even, you know, I like I applied there for carers, benefit there for parents. I worked for the HSE. I came out of my job to look after my mother to prevent her going into nursing care. Wasn't well, an easy decision, Neil. 
big drop financially, yeah. but emotionally very rewarding. Did you get a carers I, allowance? No. I filled in an 18 plus page document to apply for the carers benefit. Then I had, if I want supplementary, because I have no income now, Neil, if I want a supplementary uh, payment, it's another 18-page document. Yeah. And this morning, I received another 10-page document um, that they need to fill in. All the same questions, yeah. but yeah. just as far as my claim. Yeah. Rang them on two occasions, any update, any update. And the woman basically told me, girl, you'll be waiting uh, with a huge backlog. They have a huge backlog because they're sending out yeah. too much bloody paperwork. Repetitive exactly. paperwork. Uh, repetitive paperwork, Neil. Ridiculous. Like, at the end of the day, people that are out there caring for their parents are keeping them out of nursing homes, keeping them out of hospitals, and looking after their well-being. Yeah, they are our parents, but we are, you know, providing a service at the end of the day that we're keeping them out of nursing homes and hospitals. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know, it's... it's there's no easy way to do anything in this country It's very anymore. frustrating. I understand what you're saying. Thanks, Claire. Appreciate you taking the call. John's story is heartbreaking. Where are the politicians to help him in an abattoir? No doubt they'll make contact to some media sometime. But the problem really is the calibre of our public representatives. Gone are the days of the late Davy Mack on the north side. The north side are crying out for someone to fill his shoes for years. Now we have representatives nowhere near his calibre. His sons should run for election. Yesterday it was the poor woman, Noreen. Today it's John in the abattoir. Uh, You can do more in two days than all of these politicians put together. We heard uh, politicians and councillors on yesterday and the day before. The only time we hear from them is when you pull them on the air. It's 12 years now since Davy Mack died and all the politicians together can fill the hole he left. The simple fact that the North Side is still talking about Davy 12 years on is enough evidence that people still cry out for somebody like him. They should hang their heads in shame. I see Davy's sons with their mother regularly and always wondered why they didn't follow in his shoes. I've no doubt they would have certainly carried on his legacy. Lovely texts and some kind words about the McCarthy family and the late Davy Mac. My husband and I both work normal jobs, nine to five. Our own house is ours. We own it. We have two kids. I work extremely hard for what we have and always wonder how everybody always appears to have such a lavish lifestyle and flash the cash about, even though they work the same jobs as ourselves. My day starts at 5 a.m. every morning due to working full time, working around the kids, um, you know, housework, cooking, looking after dogs. Everybody seems to have house cleaners and window cleaners coming in every week these days. Where did they get the money for all of this? My parents recently rented out a property they inherited to a couple with two kids with normal jobs like us. They're on the HAP scheme and only have to pay out a tiny proportion of the rent themselves to make up the balance. I was shocked when told how much they had to pay themselves. They're both driving very nice cars and have all the lights on in the property 24-7. I got my ESB bill two days ago and even with my 200 euro electricity credit, which every household received recently, it was still frighteningly high. I'd just like to know where we're going wrong as a family, as a working couple. Everyone else sponging off the government, complaining about the price of things nowadays, have everything paid for and have a much more lavish lifestyle than ourselves. If I can't afford something, I just don't buy it, simple as. It seems as though all of my tax money is going towards people who happily spend my money on something that I can't afford because I have to pay my taxes and they subsequently can afford it because of all of the handouts. 
Uh, I'd still rather work for my money and buy stuff with my own money rather than sponge off the state, but it really is starting to annoy me. Uh, certainly with Christmas when I was counting the pennies and budgeting and everyone else was spending their money fast enough. I wonder, do any other normal working couples out there feel any way like me? As in, the grass is always greener next door. What do you think of that? Do you feel like that? Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. As in, is it worth your while working at all these days? Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Okay, um, in other news, and it's not all doom and gloom, I got a huge response actually from Monday's story about a 1590 full Irish breakfast. And I was asking you guys with regards to the price of full Irish. What would it, what should it be and what are you paying? And the response from all over the county was, was incredible. Um, and I didn't get back to it since then. Um, here are some examples. Dunn Stores, a five-piece of Irish breakfast, including toast, tea or coffee, 525. Dunn Stores, Bishopstown, seven-piece breakfast, toast and coffee included, 750. Uh, the Wilton, uh, five-star breakfast, 1295. Two sausages, two bacon, two eggs, black and white pudding, beans, mushrooms, tomato, fried potatoes, toast, tea or coffee. Wow, there's a lot of feeding. That's like a dinner, isn't it? you got mushrooms, tomatoes, fried potatoes and all that you normally wouldn't. Um, just back from Lanzarote, full Irish, €4.25. Euro I remember being in one of the islands years ago and there was a restaurant. I don't know which one of the Canaries it was, I can't remember. But it was one ninety nine for the Irish, for the full. They call it a full English over there. But it was everything on the plate, like everything, everything, including tea or coffee and toast and orange juice. I had to buy it to see what it was like at one ninety nine, and it was absolutely ace. Beer Garden in Turnus Cross, best by far, ten euro. Eggs, sausage, bacon, mushrooms, beans, fried potatoes, tea or coffee, by far the best for a tenner. Um, no tea or coffee included in the price of a full Irish should be made illegal. Tony always sorts my wife out with a hot chocolate as she's not a caffeine junkie like the rest of us. That's Tony's Bistro on the North Main Street. The fir tree in Watergrass Hill of a Saturday morning. You get a savage breakfast for 10.50 and tea or coffee, says Terence. Sea salt in cove, sausages, rashers, spuds, black pudding, fried eggs, roast tomato, sourdough toast. Uh, Local produce as well, 12 euro. I don't mind paying extra for coffee when it's something like a flat white. Lovely view of the water as well at Sea Salt in Cove. I paid 31 euro in Egypt for breakfast. No sausage or puddings, but they had mashed potatoes. It was at the Sofitel Winter Palace in Luxor. I was starving. So what could I do? I ate three full watermelons. <laughs> like, what was the breakfast? I know what it wasn't, but you didn't pay 31 euro for three watermelons. Portugal, you get the full Irish or English for 5.99. Or you can get the small one for 4.99. Yeah, and it's cheaper than that, actually, when you go to the Algarve, Spain, or indeed the Canaries. Tara's Tea Room, the full Irish tea and coffee, 12.50. Well, now, it all depends on the pork content of the sausages and the quality of the bacon and the beans. Are they the lowest or the highest grade of quality? 10 euro is topside pay for a breakfast and that should include tea. 
but try asking your server, you know, about the quality of the sausage, as in if it's a cheap breakfast, maybe they're cheap products. But one person says, would you please do me a favor and stop saying bacon when you mean rashers? It sounds so pretentious. You are right, actually. I don't know where bacon managed to creep in when back in the day it was always rashers. The square in Dunmanway, a tenor for the full Irish, including tea and coffee. The groves in Blackpool, I'm delighted to hear that it's still thriving. The best thing on the menu is the skillet. Sliced sausages, rashers, black and white pudding, fried tomatoes, fried potatoes, cheese, tea, coffee and toast, 11 euro. So there is great value to be had out there. The South County the full Irish, two sausages, two rashers, fried egg, black and white pudding, beans, hash brown, mushrooms, grilled tomato, toast tea or coffee, with a free co- t- a top-up of tea or coffee, $11.99. And just one, $11.95, I should say, just one or two more. River's End, Crosshaven, $11.50, two sausages, two eggs, black pudding, white pudding, nice number of mushrooms, fried tomato, six streaky rashers, pot of tea, two slices of toast. 11.50 um, and there are more and more but that's just a good selection of what's out there it's fair to say that those prices are averaging anywhere in and around between a tenner and 12 euro on average and I think that that's what would be a good price to pay one person says uh, people coming to Ireland for holidays must get an awful shock when they see the price of eating out here as it's at least double the price that they'd be used to why is it so high when most of the stuff is homegrown the sausages, the rashers and the puddings all come from the likes of Clonakilty. They're a bit expensive to buy anyway, but I think a tenner is enough to pay for a full Irish with tea or coffee and toast. A tenner, says Marie. And there's a lot more besides them. And I come back to them throughout the course of the morning. Text 0868104106. Of course, we have a great giveaway this week, courtesy of ourselves in Cork Airport and Vueling.com. So it's a two-night trip with hotel accommodation in Paris. You'll fly out of Cork Airport. You can leave your car there for free. Don't abandon it. It's free car parking. And you'll also spend time in the Aspire Lounge. So we're asking you to share your spontaneous stories, things you just dropped everything and did. So, <laughs> Keith, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? There are so many strings to your bow. I wouldn't have put you down as a spontaneous kind of a guy, but prove me wrong. Indeed, I don't know. It was about 25 years ago, it was the modern theater's 30th anniversary. So we said... We pay him, we get him a trip to Malta. Lovely job. So got it anyway, Dawson, Dawson, Pat Dawson, he, he hired the flight because there was a match going on at the same time. Ireland were playing Malta. I never right. knew it. Yeah, back in the day, for those that remember it, when Irish soccer was a lot, lot, lot better, there were charter flights to everything. Euros, World Cups, every kind of thing. There, Champions there League. Ball, yeah, yeah. yeah. The ball, but... I, and even I was walking down King's Hill and walking on the road below the town and I said to the lads, lads I had to pick up there I said I'm going up to the airport to say goodbye to the modern fair you know enjoy the holiday <laughs> uh, not about a cheap five I'm going to be back in about half an hour I said up I went down your knee tear my clothes on me my uh, steel toe cap boots up and, and the crack was mighty up to the rake of lads going over the Irish game what are you and saying the bar, the bar was full lofting points and having the crack is it crack need the crack to think so my the whole lot and I said no with the fair and you could see the over the worry and he's pierced you know and I said didn't he what's wrong with you <laughs> he said he would do believe no he said I was never away with your mother on me once <laughs> <laughs> and he 
<laughs> was indeed. I, I was making it up because there was 11 of us there. <laughs> and every time we were going away, there was always somebody there, you know. <laughs> and I said, I said, you'll be grand. I said, don't worry about was it. He afraid <laughs> of, was he afraid <laughs> of spending time alone with her or what? There you go. He was never alone with her. There was always a couple of us. One of us, like, you know. They were like strangers I, to each other, right? Go on. There <laughs> you go. You're dead right. <laughs> I saw next to my he says to me, Keith, would you come with us, would you? I said, Denny, I'm in my walking clothes. I said, the pickup is down, uh, down the road, I said. I said, I won't be able to ask for God's sake. He said, go on. I said, I have no tickets. So next of all, uh, one day I said to me, Dad, I know. Keith, Pat Dyson is up in the country there. He said, go up and ask for the ticket. Yeah, right, chance. And then he went up. I said, Pat, I said, the lads were saying there, you might have a, pretty, a couple of tickets, I said, for the flight. Yeah. I have, he said, see how many do I said, I get. Would you give me two? Two? Who was the other one for? Herself and doors, Neil. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so she was up in the marriage, the Williams is married. Remember the Williams is married the other one? Where was up that? In, up in Church, really. She was up there with the kids. <laughs> and next to all, anyway, I got a hold of her anyway. And I said, fast, I said, quick. I said, pack a small bag, I said, and get off to the airport straight away, I said. <laughs> She said, what about the kids? You had to give them to your mother. She'd be happy over there. She said, I'm not a bother with your mother. <laughs> so she threw the kids anyway to the mother anyway. And the boys hung on to the flame for the half an hour <laughs> waiting for her to come up me. That's <laughs> true, no boy. Uh, so, and, and you went to Malta? I did. For how long? We went through a week. <laughs> I was going through right with Misty to talk and boots. We walked the boots on me. But I was going going through, your man was laughing, right? But when I was on the plane, tis grand, you see, but when the plane gets a bit hot, the tear would melt underneath your boots, you know? <laughs> and I got up there to go to the toilet, it's true, it's going to. I did all the mats on the oil. Yeah. I started lifting two or three of them anywhere. The boys would have to put them back down, you know? But sure, they was coming back out. In the, the trail of hair leading to my seat. And you want to give him, she said, What's on your boots? She said, I said, They're not my boots at all. It's going straight into your seat, she says to me. She's got what? I was like, the tail, the tail trail was going straight into Oh, yeah, she was able to, of course, yeah, she identified She you. was able to follow it, like, so next one day we will go home to play and anyway. And her son said to me, uh, What are we doing for money? Oh, for God's sake, I said, fuck. I said, I have no money. I forgot about money. So next one, I said, I said to the fair, didn't he home to have you? And I have this and I have that. And I said, look, I go up to Pat Dawson and ask him not have any money. So I was sitting above me and I went up to Pat and I said, Pat, what's wrong with your keys? I said, Pat, I'll be honest with you. I thought the wife would bring out money. I said, but she brought no money with her. I had it. Oh, my God, he said. How much do you want? And I said, Pat, look, I'll give it 300, he said to me, guys. <laughs> right? Straight up, lovely. I said, Pat, boy, you're a gentleman, I said, right? <laughs> oh, you're on your knees for the week. And next month, then I rent the Jeep. And you know, no, Mars is only six miles long, right? <laughs> By seven. <laughs> and I hired the Jeep. 
It is, that's all it is. And I heard the jeepney. I know, there, Monty, so. I've been there a couple of times. I don't know that, yeah, I, I, I don't know that you'd need a week there if you're only going over for the Ireland Malta game, but anyway. So we all stayed for the week, night. The crack was mighty dirt. The fight was for the week. I, and I, 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 got, I got into the jeep and, and, and the father said, Keith, you know, there's only seven miles long. I said, that's right, didn't he? He said, you're driving for an hour and a half. He said, if you go any further, we'll fall off the island. <laughs> Ireland won, Ireland won that match three two. I'm told, did they? You're on the ball because uh, and and I put and I predicted the score where you stopped by your television crew in Stansted, and I predicted the score. Did you did you pay Pat Dawson everything you owed him when you got home? No, you're breaking up there. Ah, uh, no, seriously, the, his generosity was off the charts. Do not pay him back. I, of course, I paid him back. Me. And oh, tell, the minute I came, I oh, ran him straight away. Uh, but and tell me, him. just what happened with the pickup truck that you left at the airport? Oh, the one the lads collected the lean. <laughs> I rang them. I was left to lean the keys in it, you see. <laughs> and they went up and they collected it anyway. <laughs> and you know, one other thing only before you go. <laughs> I met it, We met a cousin over there then, right? With the father was on, the one the lads and the, in the pub, in the plane. And next one, they were talking about home now and all this. And next one, did they end up cousins? <laughs> and you know what? I, you know what the father said to me, Neil? He said, Keith, what did I tell you? Don't ever throw a stone, you're guaranteed to hit your cousin. <laughs> and that was the more than Neil. I love it. You just keep him <laughs> coming, boy. Keep him going. There's a book in you. You need to sit down and write it. <laughs> I can't write, Neil. <laughs> well, you can certainly talk. You can certainly make up for it in the vocal department. Talk to you later on. Pack after 11. Text 0868104106 if you have a spontaneous story. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me, weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Okay, more on St. Bridges Day a little later on this morning as to who was she and what was she all about and why do we remember her. Uh, Mortgage holders in this country deserve all of the hardship they get because they will not band together and challenge, challenge the government. There is strength in numbers. It applies to everything our government is doing. What is the hell, what the hell is wrong with all of us, says GP and Blarney, that we don't well, people do protest, you see, when they're unhappy with things. You even see it this morning in Killeen's. We're on a tracker rate mortgage. Our mortgage has gone up by €341 Euros since last year. We're just managing it, but everything else suffers as a consequence. And that's the point I wish to make, that while you can perhaps make the mortgage repayment increase, something else has to suffer. We'll be working this year just to pay the bills. There will be no holidays, no breaks away, and zero savings. I can tell you it's very disheartening to work work 40 hours a week and have zero excess cash left. We've two kids and it's getting hard. I justify it by thinking it would be worse if we couldn't pay our way. And there's always worse off. But for us, it's crazy. The cost of everything else on top of the mortgage cost will break a lot of people this year. Yeah, and then that's why you have others like an email before 11 when they look to those then that are getting help and supplements and maybe have a, a half payment to cushion the blow. And people wonder, you know, is it worth working at all these days? On the subject of the HSE, my mum's in her early 80s, very poor mobility, diagnosed with early onset dementia. She also has bouts of incontinence. 
This all happened fairly quickly, all happening last December. We're currently trying to arrange home help for her. We've been told that her application is waiting to be assessed. But the person who does the assessment has retired and there's no one to complete the assessment. Mother of God. They don't know if there'll be anyone to replace the person who's retired. So we are now left in limbo. On hold, if you like. The entire HSE is broken. And what is our government doing to remedy this? The country is broken. But where is the government? We also need a hospital bed. We need a wheelchair in the home. We need the wheelchair to help with getting my mum to any hospital appointments. And it's hard to source one from the hospital. There's none available. Uh, If we had a wheelchair, we'd be able to take our mum out, maybe to the beach or the shops. But she's now confined to her bed or the sitting room and sometimes cannot even get out of the bed. Then she's stuck in the bedroom all day for perhaps up to three days on end. What will it take for our government to take action to help our people in our country? I work full time. I'm exhausted from constantly trying to chase up with phone calls to the public health nurse and all the other numerous departments just to be constantly given the runaround. I'm exhausted making sure that someone in the family is with my mum all of the time. So that's a heartbroken and also an exhausted, not sure whether it's a son or daughter, but certainly family member. Keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Again, and and I know I'm flipping around here, and I know that we've been dealing with very serious topics, obviously, but it's important also to try and accentuate the positive and try and put smiles on people's faces. God knows we need them. First day of spring and all that. To the phone lines we go again. Claire is standing by, so hold on there. But Barry, can you hear me all right? Okay, well, that's unfortunate. I ain't got him on that. So I'll tell you what, I'll give you that line back and see if you can clean it up and see where we go with it. So Claire, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? you? Oh, good. We had Keith this morning and his spontaneous yeah. decision just to board a flight, call the wife and head to Malta to an Irish soccer match. Yeah, I heard it. Okay, so... It, really. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good... Do you, do you feel, can I beat yeah. that? Is it? Is mine going to be as good, I suppose? Um, well, I don't know, really, but... Um, well, it was a story that happened to me anyway. Let's yeah, say. no, go for it. That's Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Oh, gosh. Um, my husband and I, when we were about 16, I'd say... You'll need to um, turn that down if you don't mind, Claire. You know that radio? I you turned have it off. Oh, fair play. Don't turn it off. Okay. Uh, we used to do a lot of hitchhiking when we were young. You know, long ago you could do that. I think you were about um, 16 at the time, I remember correctly. That's right, yeah. So uh, we got permission in it from our parents one time to travel to Dublin. Hitchhiking. And all the precautions that we were to take and the safety things and all the rest of it. So off we went anyway, off up to Dublin. Booked into the Onoiga Hotel. Our hostel, rather. Do you remember the Onoiga hostel? I do. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, well, into one of the Onoiga hostels anyway. And met another couple from Cork, who my husband knew vaguely. So we started talking to them. And um, they came up that you could get a ferry from Larn to Stranraer. And someone said, why don't we go? Oh, no. So we went anyway. Up to Northern to Ireland, you went. Top of the country. Northern Ireland, yep. And there were no phones. Um, no mobile phone, no, no landline even then. So I had to send a postcard home, tell my parents where I was going, and I just planned the postcard heading to Gretna Green. Gretna Green? <laughs> Gretna Green, yeah. Oh, that, that was kind <laughs> of hippy-dippy stuff, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Gretna Green was where you'd go if you were eloping. 
So, of course... Oh, sorry. What's joking. the significance of Gretna Green? That you would go there to get married, was it? To get married, yeah. You were, you were eloping to get Gretna Green. That's a new one on me. Yeah. Is that, was that a yeah. saying or yeah. did actually people actually do no, it? No, no, There was actually a place in Scotland that you could just turn up <laughs> and stay there for three days and you could get married. You sent a postcard saying that. 16-year-old yeah. girl. Yeah. To your parents. Senior old boy also. Yeah. You know, so the two of us headed off anyway and uh, they say sent the postcard and of course when the postcard arrived home the um, proverbial hit the fan. <laughs> I can well <laughs> imagine. They had, they had no way of contacting us and here we are off in Scotland. Couldn't, we eventually got there eventually. Couldn't get into the hostel. The hostel was full. So we had so we went out and we bought a four-man tent or two-man tent, sorry, for the four of us. And we had to sleep on the beach. But we were lucky. The weather was good anyway. We stayed there for but a few days. At, well, this was going on, though. Your parents had contacted the guards, had they? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> said nothing could be done. <laughs> what, did the guard, what, what did they say to the guards? You have to find our children. They've eloped to get to married. Them. Yeah. <laughs> no, as I said, they're dead long, long, long time ago. They died. So um, I don't remember exactly the, the sequence of events. Uh, surely you remember the homecoming, though. Oh, I remember the homecoming. Oh, my God. <laughs> Forget it. Describe we it. Murdered. Well, on the way back, we stopped off in Belfast and we did some shopping. And, of course, I had no money. What little money I had, I'd given to Richard, to mine. And um, we had, he had spent all his money and I said, I'm sure I have mine left still. <laughs> <laughs> so we spent what little money we had anyway, arrived home in Cork eventually and um, we were literally murdered, absolutely murdered. When you opened the front door, was there a, <laughs> was there a the wall door. of song, sound, a wall absolutely. of noise? Sure, even, even everybody on the street was out, you know, <laughs> like any news about them, where are they, where are they? What did you? What did they say? Did you get married? Oh, you, no, 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 they know. I don't know. I can't remember the exact words now. Like, but where were you? You know, the usual. And, um, and my and what, sisters were there trying to soften the, the, the blow. What happened with so, you and Richard? Then did you stay together, or was that we're just, married over fifty years? Isn't that amazing? So yeah. it wasn't two ships, two, but just a boyfriend no, and girlfriend. You know, no, you no, go no, through no. boyfriends and girlfriends. That wasn't the way. And I'll tell you something now, we actually had our 50th anniversary during the lockdown. So we had no celebrations. We spent our honeymoon in Paris, so a trip to Paris would be fantastic. <laughs> and children and grandchildren later and everything. Yeah, we and have three children and we have eight grandchildren. And do you tell them all the story of that trip oh, to Scotland? Oh, yes. My children used to love American They used to say, Mum, tell us about the time you ran away. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the time you ran away. And it's carried on right down through the generations. Yeah, they all yeah, love it. Yeah. Tell us about the time you, you ran see, away. You see, there was no mobile phones. The best no, you had was no a push button A, push button B, public phone. That, a public phone, that's all. There were no phones in the house or anything. You sent a postcard. Why didn't you just... I sent a oh, you couldn't... They had no home phones, so you couldn't ring no them. No home phones. It was before. This was back in the 60s. I know, I know. Yeah, so you there imagine, was no contact. Yeah, yeah. Of course, now no people would be very contactable. If a 16-year-old decided to do oh, that now... Of yeah. You know, yes. Unless they um, turn the phone off, but like, there'd be alerts on social media and everything. They'd be stopped at the port. You wouldn't let a 16-year-old go off hitchhiking now. There were simpler times. Yeah, I wonder whether yeah, possibly maybe even safer times, times. You know, I know. I remember another time, Neil. We were in the north again, hitchhiking, 
and um, we had to get out of the car when we were crossing the border and here we are a scorching hot day and my sister had left home a week before us to go to Galway and next thing a car passed us with my sister and her two friends in the car eating ice cream (laughs) (laughs) why and there we are we had to walk across the border they they couldn't bring us across in the car why because they, that, that was the times, you know, there was the border there then. And um, every car was stopped and examined and the person who was giving us a lift didn't know who we were. So I said, sorry, I can't bring you across the border. Oh, you were hitching that. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know, yeah. I know. An awful thing, isn't it? Back in the days when on the Absolutely. same island you had to get out of the car and pass the border checkpoint. Okay. Happy mm-hmm. days, that, that's okay. changed. All right. As I said, they, they had their week in Galway and decided to head to the north as well. And they passed us in a car, eating ice creams, on a Boiling hot day. I'll that, never forget that. That's a good one, but <laughs> yeah. the Scotland one beats it big time. Thanks for sharing it, Claire. Yeah. Do appreciate no it. No problem. Stay listening. And happy Bye. anniversary. Bye. I know it's a little late, but happy anniversary nonetheless. Back after the break, text 0868. Oh, I tell you what, uh, I'll take a quick one if you don't mind. It just seems we're on a roll with the uh, spontaneity calls right now. Evelyn, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay, I'm good. Now, your story, because we have a weekend for two in Paris, courtesy of ourselves and Welling Airlines and airport, Cork Airport. What have you got? So back in 2012, I was 32 and I had to have a hysterectomy. Now, I had four children, so thankfully I was lucky enough in that respect, okay? So I had a hysterectomy. I was, I was fine with it. Went in, had a hysterectomy, and I was sitting up in the hospital bed a few days later, drugged up, and an ad came on the TV for Always Ultra pads for periods. And I burst out crying, I got really upset. And I don't know why I did, because out of the hysterectomy, that was the best thing that was going to be happening, that I didn't need these anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, inconsolable, couldn't stop crying. But I suppose it was a lot to deal with as well. Totally, was, your was, emotions would be all over the place, your hormones <laughs> racing and everything. It took this ad to tip me over. And uh, the next ad was a tri- um, an advertisement for a trip to your Disney. And there and then I pulled out my wallet and I booked a trip to your Disney. <laughs> just just <laughs> after the surgery inside the hospital yeah. bed. It cost me a fortune and didn't realise I had done it until a few days later when my husband said to me, God, we got an email there, are you serious? But sure, yeah, we had to go ahead and we don't. What do you mean <laughs> you didn't remember? Were you on painkillers? Oh, God, I was, yeah. Do you yeah, think you would I have been was. kind no. of a bit zombified from it? Oh, out of it, because to be honest, I'm the most shrewd person out there, Neil, and I would double-check things a thousand times to get the cheapest price, and I didn't get the cheapest so price. So as you said in the text, in your drugged state, you booked it there In my and drugged then. state, I booked it there and then. And the joke is, now I was going in a couple of weeks ago there to get a two-shout and an aesthetic, and they won't let me take my wallet with me. <laughs> your credit card and your mobile phone. Yeah. Yeah. Did it now cost a fortune? Like, oh, it cost more than it should have done at the time. Like, that was two thousand and. Twelve, I think. Yeah. And it did. It probably cost me. It did. It cost me more than it should. But sure, look, they enjoyed it. And How they many of you went? It. it was six of us, two adults, four kids. That would have cost thousands. It did. Stupid. And as I say, I'm very cute. Like, and um, some would say probably a bit mean. Like, but not clever. <laughs> but when you <laughs> when you came out of your when you came out of your drug induced state, did you not try and cancel it? I didn't because the kids were so hyper, and I obviously I told them as well when I was crying. Like, like, don't worry, look where we're going. But that was the ad because there was an offer on over in. They'd be always ad was what triggered me off. <laughs> was it worth it, the trip? I got it, watch it, I remember. But they'd still say there's a magnet on the fridge with the year that we went. And they say, remember Mammy done that when she was drugged? <laughs> <laughs> Shows you the power of advertising, doesn't it? 
Doesn't it just? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, great story. I, I, got o- I got over the always. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, well done. Great story. Thanks, Evelyn. There's some super spontaneity stories. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. We'll pick a winner just before midday. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Just a quick one here. I don't know whether Barry can actually beat Keith in the trip to Malta or indeed the caller who went off to Scotland and sent a postcard home and what have you. But Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so we're talking about you and a bunch of pals out on a Friday night, is it? We, we are. But as, as you said, like I don't think anybody t- tells the story like Keith. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know can anybody beat him. <laughs> I'm going to check but, uh, with Pat Dawson to see if he paid him back. He tells me he oh, did, yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to have to Pat and ask him. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. My my story is similar to Claire's. It's a thumbing story again. But thumbing. Uh, so this, yeah, thumbing. Yeah. Yeah, like this. This is back now in the, in the 90s, like mid 90s. So there was um. There was three of my friends on the way. We were out on a Thursday night in Ballincollig, just full of points. And we decided um, that we'd go to Dublin. So we'd go to Dublin for the weekend because my sister was working. My sister was working in Bray. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, should we, 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 can, we can stay in her place. Like, and, and, uh, and the lads said, Grant, Grant, that's what we'll do. So, and um, I kind of remember then the following day, I was still working on the Friday. And, um, sore head, yeah, sore head as well. Like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go ahead. But anyway, I was in a printer's, so I made up a couple of signs. There was three of us going, and I got the signs, and I called the lads in after work. I said, are you still on for it? Yeah, yeah, grand. So jumped, well, right, went straight out to the front of the estate in Ballincollig, started coming into Cork City straight away. We got a lift very quick. Um, and then we walked to um, walked up to Silver Springs and, and started coming. Now, we got a lift within about five, ten minutes. How many of you? Silver. Three. Three, three. okay. Now, we were going to say early, early 20s. Now, we got a lift straight away, I'd say, like, within five, ten minutes outside Silver Springs, but there was a girl there. She says, no, 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 she's, this is the wrong place. You need to go further on, you know, because, you know, they could, you, people could be going to East Cork or anything. So she says, come on out here, and I'll show you where to go. So she brought us out to the Dunkettle roundabout, like, when it was just a flat roundabout. No, there was no tunnel yet. You'd be going know, left for Glanmire to get to Dublin then, yeah. Well, you'd be going beyond that, and you'd be going, well, yeah, was it true? No, it was It was bigger. Like, the the, the, the Dunkett roundabout was there. Oh, but okay. It, it was kind of, it was beyond, yeah, just oh. just beyond the, 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 the first one. And uh, so she went out there, out to the Dublin turn-off, led us out there. So I had my first sign anyway, so I was the first guy in the line, and mine said, Dublin, please. And then one of the other lads then, we, I told him to go up a couple hundred yards up the road now, and he had another one, and his, his one said, pretty please. <laughs> and then uh, Liam then, Liam was the last fellow there, Liam and Mark was the last one, I can't remember who it was, but he had the last one then, he was up another two or three hundred yards, anyway, and he had a go on. So we had the three signs. So anyway, we, I'd say we were only there about ten minutes, anyway, and a, a woman picked us up. Like, I mean, we, we were but hang on, like, a, hang on a second. Your yeah. sign is Dublin, the next one is pretty please, and the third one yeah. is a go on. So yeah. there's about 600 yards between the first well, and the third. Well, okay, yeah. Not that too So far. what if they what, stop what, what for the say? third sign and you're half a mile down the road? Yeah, I'd say they, I'd say they tied us together and all right. They kind of they knew we were connected. But no, no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't that far. How far was it? I suppose maybe 50, 50 yards. <laughs> okay, all right. But, um, but anyway, this, so a, a woman, a woman, and they collected us. Like, so we were, we were what? We were kind of mid-20s. Like, so she was a mum. Like, I suppose she was my age. No, like, I'm 48 now. So she was probably my age. Like, yeah. But, um... But anyway, she picked us up and she said, geez, lads, come on, I'm, I'm going up to Kildare. Like, and we were so, oh, thanks very much, Mr. Like, so jumped in the car and we chatted all the way up the road. And by the time we got to Kildare, sure, everything was closed. The last bus was gone. You know, the whole lot, like it was, I'd say it must have been like nine, ten o'clock at night or something. And she was there, well, where are you going? Like I said, oh, well, we're going up to Dublin. So me and my sister, she works in Bray. And she said, look, sure, I'll drop you up to the Red Cow. So she went, 
she went another kind of like 40k out of her way. She brought us up to the, the Red Cow pub. Do you know, it was just a, a pub at the time. like hotel kind of road, then, no? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Dro- dropped us in there and, and sure rang the sister then on the payphone and said, oh yeah, we're in the Red Cow. And she's, what? Do you know, so. Did she not know you up. were travelling, no? No, 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 no. She um, she only she only heard when we rang. And, and But then she, of course, she got a taxi. Then she had to call it a taxi then from Bray to the Red Cow to collect us. Like So she wasn't too pleased. But <laughs> I have to say, but, uh, I mean, you know, do people hitch anymore now? I see very I, oh, few. I not at all. I don't think so. You just can't. You can't. Use it. I mean, like like back then, like a woman collecting three, three fellas in their 20s, like, that'd be unheard of. You like, wouldn't no. do that now. That's not the point. At all, of course. Like, you just not. wouldn't be able no. to take the risk. You wouldn't even consider it, would you? No, not at all. No, 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 no. And I, nor, nor would I. Like, I mean, if I was driving myself, like, I would I just wouldn't pick any, anybody up. Like, you just couldn't. So what couldn't. has happened between the mid-90s and now that society's become so dangerous that that doesn't yeah. happen anymore? It, it just has. It just has. Everything, everything that we're exposed to just makes people... Makes makes one sector more and more wary, and makes another sector just more and more mad, or whatever. Totally it is. changed, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could yeah. be. I mean, maybe people still do hitch around the place. We hitched all the time in the back yeah. end of the seventies and the eighties, all over the place, and you'd always yeah, yeah, get yeah. picked up. But I wouldn't yeah. want to be planning a week or ten days in, in Kerry or West Cork hitching. Now you get nowhere. No, God, no, 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 nobody would that. No, Great no. story though. Thanks, no, no. Barry. Happy days. Sure, Day listening. Okay. Thanks. Keep those stories coming. Text 0868104106. And also, you can send your story by email to Neil at RedFM.ie. I'll pick a winner just before midday. But I have to say, even at this point in time, if there's no more cause in it, I'd say Keith would be hard to beat. I think he'd be hard to beat. Whether he paid Pat Dawson back or not, he'd be hard to beat with a story like that from Malta. So everybody gets an opportunity to share their story. But we have one qualifier per day going into the final on Friday for a trip for two to Paris with whomever you choose to stick with you um, with Cork Airport and Vueling. Dot com Return flights, hotel accommodation in Paris, free car parking at Cork Airport, and you'll spend some time in the Aspire Lounge before you board your aircraft. So you still have an opportunity to get in tomorrow and indeed uh, on Friday's programme. So email neil at redfm.ie. Right, earlier in the week, I was chatting with uh, Festus because he was a bit on the lonely side and he was hoping that somebody or people would wish him a happy birthday for today because he's 60 he also was hoping that he might get some uh, birthday cards and we gave a shout out for people to send him a birthday card. And today is the big day. So happy birthday, Festus. Thank you, Neil. Did you get my card, what I did send you? For I your got birthday? your card. I got other cards. The cards have been coming in drums. Are you delighted with the amount of people uh, who sent you birthday uh, cards? I got a bottle of whiskey. Did you? From a very unique Irish lady yesterday. He came in with a Nigerian guy. He said she was doing her driving lessons with a guy. They knock on my door. I thought I was expecting my courier because I have to buy a gift for myself. <laughs> you know, from Amazon. I ordered Alexa for myself. I was waiting. So I thought it was the courier on my door. So suddenly I had a voice. I said, look, guy, you are in Nigeria. I said, yes. Who is this lady? He said, she's my student. That is the driver just teaching her how to drive, to pass her driving test. The lady said, look, I heard you on radio. I got a whiskey for you. I got a card for you. I'm going to be dancing with you tomorrow when Neil is going to spin you a good happy birthday music. And do you like a little drop of whiskey? Oh, yes, I do. Well, I you, do. T- today's I the used day. To party all the clubs here. At the time, I've partied Havana, I've partied Pavilion, I've partied Eclipse, 
I've passed wooden room. I've passed on Plunkett Street. So I'm just coming down now in my 60s, you know. I've been a party guy all through What are life. you, 60 today? Is it Festus? Hey, I'm 60 today. It's a big one. So I've gotten more than 2,000 messages all over the world. My brothers and sisters in the U.S., in the U.K., in Italy, in Germany, my mother from Africa, she's 84, so everybody just blowing me kisses, emojis. And I think Paddy O'Brien dropped you out eight cans of Guinness, did he? Nobody, no, I've not gotten that. You haven't, haven't you got the Guinness yet, no? I got no cake, I got, I got no Guinness. Yeah, somebody said to me that we, I can't be giving you a birthday cake because you're diabetic. No, I'm diabetic that is moderate. I don't do sugar. I don't do sugar. I got a birthday cake. I saw what, what would happen if you ate a regular birthday cake? What would happen? Nothing. You, you see, what you do is if you moderate what you take in, in your lifestyle. You could still have you. a slice of cake. But if you abuse it, that is where the trouble comes. All right, okay. So you know, you're, you're happier now that people have reached out, sent yeah, you cards, sent you gifts. Oh, my brothers, oh, my sisters, my, bo- my boys, you know, they're writing in, Daddy, you're the best, you deserve it. You know, when they had me on radio yesterday, they were happy. So I, uh, I'm getting all the messages. Which because is lovely. The plan is, usually I celebrate my birthday outside here. I'm either in Italy, I go to Venice, Padova, Verona. Usually I love Verona. I go to Romeo and Juliet Arena to hug Romeo and Juliet anytime I'm in Verona. Oh, I've never been to Verona. It says lovely. Yes, I've been to Italy. I'm a globetrotter. I travel around the world. So I'm just slowing down because of the children because they were growing. Now that they're adults, I'm 69. I'm now you do, do you you do your shopping in Milan like I do my shopping in Aldi yeah, and Dons and places. Like. You so go to Milan, do you? US. You saw my photographs there. So I'm a very trendy man. I believe in glamour and glitz. Good man. All right. Well, yeah, tell me this: what what are you go, I, like? Has anybody taken you out for a meal or anything for the birthday? No, nobody's coming today. I told you that's why I said I could be very very lonely. But you are the, you are the classiest dresser I've ever seen. You've yeah, got so real. I'm expecting a hot meal can come from any Chinese today. I'll be happy because <laughs> my cake is coming on Friday. I've booked my cake. I've paid for my cake. You know, to cut with my children over here on Saturday with a few friends. All right. Okay. So I'm going to cut my cake. You're and a seriously trendy dresser. Do you buy all of that fabulous oh, clothing? Those are my glamour. I dress my best. You I are look. incredibly sharp, man. This good business, you know. That is my trademark. Yeah, look the part, man. I, You'll be the part. I wear the Gucci's, the Versace's of this world, the Christian Dolls of this you, world. You wear all of that gear, do you? That's what I wear. Um, I come here. It's, you should be sending me gifts. You're loaded, I'd say, yeah? I'm going to send you stuff. Every year, I give out suits and shoes to charities because the house is stock full. Some people say you're worse than a woman. Everywhere is helpful. <laughs> right. Well, listen, happy like birthday. Thank you very much, Neil. You made my day. Happy birthday. And I'm delighted that the mantelpiece on the table is full of birthday cards. You made my day. You made my day. You made my day. That's what you asked for, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I asked for. I'm shuffling now. I'm shuffling. I'm twisting to that. I'm twisting to that right now, you know. Can I see a boogie there, yeah? Yeah, boogie, boogie. Celebrate good time. Oh, you know, cool and the gang. Get down on it. I was, I was a DJ in my early days. So in Nigeria.
One love, man. Brother, thank you all. God bless Thailand. Happy birthday. Thank you. See you later, my man. Thailand. Oh, my friends. Ah. <laughs> Let's hear it for Festus one more time. I'll see if we step up, man. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Happy 60th, kids. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. I know I've said it and people are saying you wouldn't want to tell a meteorologist or somebody like Evelyn Cusack that today, in your opinion, is the first day of spring. But I think it is. I'll hang on to it anyway. Earlier, the better for me. But at the same time, of course, we get an extra bank holiday on Monday thanks to St. Bridget. Uh, because today is St. Bridget's Day. We'll be playing out with the song specially written for St. Bridget in about uh, 15 minutes time but just ahead of that we want to know everything and anything about St. Bridget because it was a long time ago it was uh, something upwards of 1500 years ago when she walked upon this fair land of ours and the folklorist and lecturer Shane Lehan joins me again Shane good morning Hi Neil how are you? So who was she and why are we talking about this morning why are we talking about her this morning? Well, listen, it's, I don't know about you, Neil, but this morning I went out for a walk and, you know, there was a, a pep in my step. I was delighted. I could hear the dawn chorus early this morning. So it's spring. Yeah, it's spring. It's Come on. spring. Absolutely. Yeah. It's stunning. And, but it's psychological as well because we're after a damp, dark, miserable, grey old winter that we're kind of... And, you know, we're, we're now in our head. We've made that transition. And who's all important to us at this time is nature herself, is mother nature. And I suppose, to be honest, Long before there was ever a St. Bridget, there was a female figure, uh, the goddess, if you like, who we called Brigid. So we know that she existed prior to Christianity, and we have a great deal of evidence that we can piece together to understand that and so on. So one, one idea is that there was, there was a great scholar some time back, his name was Cormac, Cormac and he wrote Shannus Cormac, a glossary of all the who's who in Ireland. He was a Christian uh, monk. But he wrote down Bridget and he said, Bridget, first of all, was goddess of learning, also goddess of healing and goddess of smithcraft. But he didn't actually just say one and the other, but he said there was Bridget number one. She had two sisters and one, one, the other, one Bridget was healing and the other sister was uh, smithcraft. So what we have there, Neil, is what we call an omnicompetent deity, a deity who is uh, cast in three, uh, threefold, who looks after everything. And the but hold on, hold on a second. Yeah? I thought she, she actually, like, she was born and existed and lived in the 5th century, right? No, she didn't. No, no, no. So I don't, I don't want to disappoint people too much. She didn't. There was a scholar called Cogitosis uh, in the year 650, a member of the Fohorta set who was married into the Southern Email who decided in the monastery of Kildare, because power and church all went together at that point in time, that they would take the already existing female goddess, Bridget, and they would simply Christianize her. And if you read her life, which is really very interesting to read, there is no historical detail whatsoever in that text. It's entirely to do with nature, spring, as you're saying, birth, animals, wild animals, domestic animals. It's got to do with... But, but, but this is, this is yeah. serious stuff. I mean, St. Patrick, the patron saint, he existed, right? 
Well, he is, but you must so, distinguish here, Neil, between you must distinguish between someone who's historical and a legend that goes around them. But you're, you're saying the bridge is fiction. I, I, I'm not, no, no. I'm saying that the wonderful concept of Bridget as a female deity who looks after, who is who epitomizes nature and the new cycle of birth and so on, was simply taken on by the Christian church in the same way that we revere the female everywhere. So in, in our study in anthropology, we think about what is the cosmological significance, what's the overall significance, and whether it's a Christian veneer or not, the same ideas. Are, are prevalent. We're celebrating womanhood, we're celebrating... Oh, I, I, I know, I know and that we are, and, and, and I'm appreciating that, but just reading up on it recently, her father was a chieftain from Leinster. Um, the traditional story in reading from the Independent, as, as, even as a child she displayed, as a real person, a deep and profound sense of compassion for others, was associated... <laughs> I know you're laughing, but she was associated with miracles, and they list loads and loads of yeah. miracles. Oh, uh, one I, of them I, was I, when she wanted to build uh, her monastery. They say that um, she was looking for land on which to build in Kildare, uh, and that the king of Leinster said that he would give her as much land as her cloak would cover. Um, yes. And the miracle yeah. was that the four corners of the cloak miraculously grew and covered yeah. many acres. There yeah. was also talks of the real Bridget curing people of all sorts of illnesses and uh-huh. um, curing blindness and things. So this, yeah. is a re- this is a real person who lived in the, 14, in the 400 no, no, no. and died no, in the early 500. No, not at all. So that's, I mean, that, that's, that's not the case. So just let me pull you back. I spend my life talking about Bridget. And in fact, I know all of those. No, and I'm not disputing back, that. I'm just back, blown yeah, away so, that you're saying but, that she didn't actually exist. And that, because no, I then had heard that she wasn't Christian, that she was actually pagan. And that when yeah. she became very popular around that time, Christianity kidnapped her. So well, you know I what I mean? I can explain to you. I can explain because it, and we'll take a step back to explain this properly. Nearly every saint we have in Ireland has a pre-Christian pedigree. You must remember that. Okay, for you mentioned Patrick, for example. Patrick's tradition is based on the Celtic god Lug or Lu, who is the ultimate perfect male and who we celebrate in terms of climbing mountains on his festival at Lunasa and so on. So Patrick takes over that and therefore we kept climbing Crow Patrick, for example, on the first Sunday in August and, and so on and so forth. So what I would suggest to you is that what we have to look at here is the whole process called hagiography. Hagiography is the writing of the saints' lives. And when people created these saints, they had two things in mind. One was to entertain and to marvel and so on. So Bridget's wonderful miracles, her fantastic miracles with, with it, that, that, that she completes by resurrecting the king's fox and stri- taking out her cloak and I'll come back to her cloak in a moment because it's really important. But one of the things she does, everyone marvels at that. But more than anything, the church in Kildare take her because they want anyone who is loyal to her to pay them tithes and pay them first fruits as it's called and what happens is the Kildare are very clever they get themselves in because they already have a pan-Celtic deity a deity that is already revered everywhere by Christianizing her and holding on to her they have their cult already established whereas Patrick up in Armagh the, the, the Inail in Armagh they have to have Patrick going, marching all around the country uh, performing miracles in Connacht and performing, coming down to Munster and so on and getting allegiance to it there so the hagiography the writing of a saint's life it usually 
uh, is is on the basis of who wrote it and the church. Oh, I know, but, I, I, but I know that. Yeah. But and I know that they can grow bells and whistles and legs and things. But they did exist. Colin Kill existed. Um, Kevin existed. Many yeah, of this Finbar existed. You know? No, 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 no. The legend associated them with them didn't did not exist. So you must believe if you believe in cloaks growing all in I don't four corners. And no, I, I don't believe the yes, cloaks yes, covered. I don't yes. believe that. I don't know whether or not she, whether she had cows that an en- had an endless supply of milk, or she was able to feed large crowds of people with little food, or she could cure blindness. I don't know anything about. But I just want to know: Did she live? Was she a real person? Um, you know? Did no, she? My, my, did she? Did she? constantly spurn marriage because she was so beautiful she was constantly being asked to marry kings and chieftains and you know was she was was she a a super was she a super powerful woman who lived amongst us no (laughs) (laughs) not at all and but that doesn't mean that that, that doesn't mean that i'm dismissing this deity or dismissing this brilliant icon of the female and it's simply because we have to kind of realize that long before christianity was there Christianity is a monotheistic religion. It's got one God. We have many, many gods in the, in, in the if you go back pre-2000 years ago, and the, the female is hugely important. And Christianity, to be honest, is misogynistic. What's really important about Bridget is because Bridget managed to be so important prior to Christianity, she, there is inevitably, they cannot leave her out. And so they created really a story and created a birth and a life in the four hundred yes, yes. in the fifth and sixth century. That yes, was just no, six, six, just no, no, six, six fifty. We know exactly the uh, it's Rawlinson B five one two. It's in the Bodleian Library. Fiction, fiction. Read her life. It's a co- it's of course it's fiction, but it's based on right. concepts and ideas of which the female deity represented. Where and then did, for instance, the putting out of the the piece of cloth last night and the St. Bridget Cross come from and the Bridogues okay, and okay. things? Yeah, well, that's all got to do. This is uh, in in pre pre Christian times. This is the festival of Imbolc. Bullock, in that sense, is a bullock, is a is a the bag of pregnancy. This is the time of birth, and if you go out and you can see the calves are there, and um, the kids are being born, the lambs are being born, the uh, the birds are making their nests in the trees. What we're talking about here is that this is a celebration of birth. The broth, just massively interestingly, is associated with birth. Uh, w- women in the past would put out the broth; they would bring it back in. If they had menstrual pains and so on, they would use the broth to ease that. If they were giving birth... This is the cloth the, I'm referring to. The you cloth, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the cloth, yeah. Her, 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 her cloak, if you like, was brought in, placed on a woman's head when she was in childbirth. It was the go-to item that was there. And, so the, and every, the St. Bridges Cross, I mean, St. Breed Eglantine is a school on the south side, yeah. primary school my daughter went to. Every single year she would bring, because they would make St. Bridges Crosses in the primary school. Yeah. Well, my students out on the Tremor Road campus, my culture and heritage studies students at the moment, they're all outside the door here as I speak, making Bridget's Crosses. I'll send you in a few photographs, Neil, to show you. But, just to say to you, the Bridget's Cross is not a cross, okay? That's the first thing. You're, blo- we you're blown idea. holes in everything this morning. Wait, Her I know, existence, terrible. the accuracy well, we, of the cross. We have an idea. It's not, it's not the symbol of the crucifixion of Christ. It's actually what it's made from is what's important. It's either made from the cereal straw or it's made from rushes. And the majority in the work that I've been doing with other scholars, the majority of the crosses are not cruciform at all. They're actually uh, the lozenge shape, the multiple lozenge shape could be seen as a seed, for example, starting off the new cycle of, of, of life. But also, very importantly, can be seen as a symbol of the female genitalia. And that's what should be the centre of the cross represents. It represents 
new life, new birth, everything coming from the female. So in, in, in many ways, the crosses that we make hark back to what you would call a, a very strong archetype in Jungian uh, speak, you know, looking at that particular form. Okay, so there, there is no existence or, or actual site of a monastery in Kildare that she allegedly founded as a nun, an abbeus. This is, a, this is the Christian story of this, uh, where it was a monastery for men and women. Oh, absolutely. There is a monastery there. There's no doubt there's a monastery, but we know who, who, who write, we know who they are, but they're creating every single monastic site in Ireland has a They patron. put the story to fit the monastery. They, they did, exactly. And they were really clever because by picking bridges, they already had the belief, they already had people who so, were revering her. Yeah, so no problem at all. They tapped into it. So it was amazing use of fake news even 1,500 years ago then. Oh, yeah. And, and we Not know a whole lot of fact-checking going on back then. We even, we even have the names of the scribes and we have the names of the kings at the time and where who he married. He married a woman called the, uh, from the Fotherta, which were in County Loud. And because of that, in Bridget's life, Bridget was supposedly born in Fothert in Loud. So you have all these associations as well. Amazing. Places. Um, so this, but this is, there's nothing unusual. And listen, Neil, because I, 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 I'll have to talk to you about St. Finbar someday because I don't want to kill everything. No, off we'll come day. back to Finbar on another day. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, yeah, you've enlightened us enough on the existence or not of Bridget for one day. But I do appreciate it because you're the go-to guy. Thank you, Shane. Thanks for taking the call. No Folklorist and lecturer Shane Lehan. It goes to show how things can be adopted and adapted and I suppose to some extent um, it's a bit like a jigsaw you can force the parts in to meet the narrative if you like back after the break just to play out live in studio after this this is the Neil Prenderville show text and whatsapp 086 8104 106 Gorks Red FM it's great to welcome back in studio again the multi-talented Victoria Keating and this morning you join us with Anya O'Gorman so you're welcome as well how do you feel about that on St. Bridget's Day some holes being blown in the in the in the fact that it's more myth than fact i kind of feel uh, it's the usual thing um women being written out of history <laughs> there's something lovely about the myth though i think i'm drawn more to the myth of bridget than yeah. any of the church stuff you yeah. know yeah. i love yeah. all totally. of the stories and they're so there's loads of magic in it and i think it's it's very evocative and, and that's kind of what we built the song around and that's what it says here that okay so we have a, a recently penned song dedicated to bridges bridget uh, eponymous title what does eponymous mean i mean i'm not college educated I so i know that word i think i looked up before and i think i remember it means uh, because it's it lo- it's titled after her it's like it's imp- it's it's, oh, it's yeah. like implied that that's the title you know what I mean? It's so it, the song is called Bridget. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it means. So why don't <laughs> people just say that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In this world where things are complicated enough. <laughs> know, like, eponymous. Well, you know, it is I a feel. lovely word. Yeah, yeah. Um, great spread in the echo today. So well done on that. You're Thank as busy you. as ever. You're as busy as ever. Seeing some great YouTube videos of you online on you. Some Thank fantastic you. work and great music. So we must get you back in for a lengthier stay. But for the day that's in it, Will you please perform the self pen song of the same name? The eponymous song. <laughs> the eponymous song, live That's in so studio. <laughs> Those brave lights burning still too dim to guide us from the deep. They settled there on winter graves to warm us while we sleep. So battered from our darkest night, we huddle 
small and still We waited there until We waited there Perfect way to end a radio program on St. Bridget's Day. Thanks That's just so glorious. Oh, thanks, Neil. Thank you so much, Neil. You work so well together. The harmonies are yeah. incredible. We really do. We're like kind of harmony twins. We're harmony twins. Oh my God. Non-related harmony twins. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Without a doubt you are. Yeah. So what's the significance of what? What are you saying about her as, as two women writing a song about such a powerful icon? I think, you know, the, the idea of Bridget as a, you know, she was an incredible woman and That's like even amazing. the myth of her was so it's beautiful amazing. and she was mm. all about inclusivity and yeah. you know she was a, a voice and a champion for the marginalised it's, yeah. it's a beautiful Absolutely. idea you know yeah, yeah. and um, so many things and in fact she's got so much going on that we've decided we're writing a trilogy about her incredible so this is the first one becoming and the second one is going to be like you know the childbearing you know fertile years and the other third is going to be the menopausal rage uh, version yeah. with a bit of a Norwegian black metal maybe it's going to be, good. It's going to be very angry and great do you think that we'll get more people going for the Christian name Bridget I was just looking at the, yeah. the research apparently the name Bridget peaked in 1965 oh, that's very about 295 bridges were christened in 1965 I don't know why but what 
there no I don't know what it was and then it just yeah. I don't know whether it just dwindled way down and there's only it's dozens now yeah. 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 Do you think that this year and the creation of this day Absolutely. will popularize the name again? Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's a gorgeous name. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. I love it. It's and got, Breed, you know, Breed is a beautiful name. Yeah. yeah. The derivatives of it are incredible. Like, there are, yeah. I mean, I don't have it here, as I was saying earlier on, I have too much information, but you can trace Bridget to. Scandinavia, absolutely, to to, to Germany, to Portugal, to Spain, to Catalan, to, to Croatia. Hayish, uh, the Haitian and the Voodoo um, uh, uh, faith, they have uh, Madame uh, Brigitte, you know, and she's a, she's a badass. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> would you say that Bridget, if she were around now, would be a badass? Oh, yeah, <laughs> baby, <laughs> a rocking badass. You know, all these cultures need a Bridget. They need yes. a, a powerful woman. And you know the bringer of spring. It's so it's, it's such gorgeous. a gorgeous idea. It's an know? exciting day, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's the changing of the seasons. It's brighter things and happier and brighter things to come. Absolutely, and it's the end of winter. And, and the end of winter. In between, so it's in between winter, in between yeah. spring. She was born in between days. She's neither one thing nor another. So she's a goddess of threes, and we tend to see, see things in a dualistic way. Yeah, that's not the way yeah. it is at all. Yeah, and we can so many aspects to life that. We I love the garlands. Are they garlands, Hedra? Oh, Alice Halliday. We rented them for the video. We yeah. need the video. It's Anya's idea. Yeah. And um, we love them so much we had to we had yeah. to buy them. Now you can't take them off. No, yeah. we just these are our kind of um big occasion ones. We have other ones just for a dentist yeah. appointments. Celtic Every and day. for dentist Every appointments. Everyday crowns as well. Stand up comedian amongst other things. Thanks so much for coming in, both of you. Anya Garman and Victoria Keating. A great way to finish the programme on this very yes, important day. So happy St. Bridges Day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it, guys. The lines will stay open. Keith goes into Friday's final for a spontaneous story on his trip to Malta. So that's into Friday's final for the trip for two to Paris. I'm assuming if he were to win that, he would bring the other half. <laughs> we'll see what happens in the Friday final. You have more opportunities. Actually, if he doesn't bring his wife, he could always bring Pat Dawson, particularly if he hasn't paid the bill. Anyway, I got to go. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.